so tired. It's been such a long day. What you been doing today? What's been such a long day? You record another podcast? No, no. I came back early from uh, family visit time a few days ago. So I've you know, had some time to myself. I've done lots of chores and, uh, of course, restocking of supplies. Mm-hmm. I threw out some old receipts. Uh, I've been dealing with a plant. Hmm. We have like a, plant a, like a mole? Well... <laughs> false flag operation mm-hmm. we have a plant that we call planty and planty started um being kind of sick what kind of plant is this um it's like one of those big green leafy like a you know like a like a home depot kind of plant that does not <laughs> really narrow it down i was with you with green and the leafy you, mm-hmm. okay i'll send you i i sent i'll send I'm you what like, i sent my wife not a cactus okay i keep going and then you uh, went home depot and, and just yeah. Oh man, it's gonna be a long night. Um, we bought a plant because we've been wanting a plant, and but poor Planty has uh, developed a situation. You know, we're to, I, I made it my job to take good care of Planty, and I tried really hard to take good care of Planty. Have you been yelling at the plant because they don't like no. that? No. <laughs> what are you doing? I say. No, I've been. <laughs> I look at. I look at Planty. I'm not a plant talker. I have started talking to the cat more, but that's a different thing. Well, but. Well, I, our cat meows a lot. Well, I, I think it relaxes the cat. And I'm, I'm trying not to yell at her as much in a way that amuses me. Now I'm trying to talk. I'm trying to... She goes... But lately she's starting going... It's going to the the Bovier style of speech. Marge's sister's. Right? Oh, right. We I think we need to get her ears scooped again. <laughs> scooped. Look at that picture. Isn't she sweet? Look at that. Such a really sweet All picture. Right, I'm looking at the plant. Oh, that's uh-huh. a, this is a substantial plant. This is not a small plant. I was I was picturing a little tiny thing. This is this is the size of a toddler. It's a four foot plant. Looks pretty good. Looks green. Looks alive. Yeah, let me go look at it with you. Okay, the problem is that look how foggy our neighborhood is. Um that uh, San Francisco. San Fancy San Francisco, the the plant, poor planty started hurting a little bit. Now I, I, you can probably see there's two different humidity or moisture identifiers uh, plugged in. I like to keep track of planty's moisture, and I made it a little project to take care of planty. I didn't it's notice not, the moisture things plugged in. Where are there? Probably cords? can't see them. You might see them in there. Yeah, there are there but, cords you know, hanging from them. No, 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 no. There's uh, one is uh, powerless. Are they Wi-Fi? No, no, they're not smart. Internet of plants. I, I, uh, and then Planty was starting to look a little sick, and then Planty started having, like a, it looked sweaty, and it started sweating under the chair, and so I, uh, we looked into it, and it, it's got some kind of little, little uh, creatures, like these little brown dots on the underside of the leaves. Hmm. So that's what I've been doing the last three days. I put Planty on the back porch because, oh, 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 you oh where was John- Planty before this in the house? This plant lives in our in the lounge. It, it, it it's got little wheels <laughs> does, and it lives in the lounge. Everyone in the family calls lounge. This is just you. Everybody calls it the lounge. Everybody. So I've been doing things around the house, and one of the things I said, I said, as they say in England, I said, right, I'm gonna fix planty. And and the thing is, you'll remember me saying John Syracuse in episode fifty eight of our program, talking about how isn't it funny how two people will smell something, mm-hmm. and it, they'll smell two different bad smells. It is agreed though that when you spray the stuff onto planty. It makes the house smell like a dog. Which I'm just not sure which, which part of the stuff. Dog. Oh, so I got the spray. It's a three-way spray for getting rid of brown bugs. Mm-hmm. Are, th- are these actual bugs? Like they're used to those brown spots, but the spots are the bugs or the spots are caused by the bugs? 
Oh, good question. Uh, I, I think they are the bugs. I think mm. the bugs, they're also they're going to town on our sunflowers. Oh, you don't want to know. I'm dealing with that too. So I'm doing a lot of things with plants while my family's gone. And uh, in this case, I took Planty out back and I said, you know, smells be damned. And I've been spraying Planty three times a day and, and giving it a lot of water mm. and trying to bring it back to life. So that's one of the things I've been doing. I threw out a bunch of old receipts. Uh, what else did I do? I, I took my suitcases to the garage uh, I got a new, got my new state ID in the mail. Pretty good picture. Um, uh, it's, you know, but you know, my family's back, you know, and that, that trip back is rough. You know how it is. You go West to East. In our mm-hmm. case, you get it. You, well, you fly to, uh, what's not BOS. What's it called? What's Logan? Fly to Logan. You got it. No, you got it. You go to Logan and it's, uh, it's just around five hours straight shot on a jet blue. And uh, you, I know you already heard, uh, it, we'll talk about this in a minute, in another episode you've heard, heard my tale of woe about coming home. But, you know, six hours and 40 minutes coming back. So my family's back, and we watched uh, uh, The Emperor's New Groove and had a burger. Hmm. That's where I could be instead of this. But I've been using my time well, I think. I've been going to bed early. I've been watching a lot of old episodes of Game of Thrones. And uh, I have not watched The Leftovers again. But I, I, I've watched a lot of Game of Thrones. Why are you uh, backfilling on Game of Thrones? Because although my wife was watching it the whole... Wait, no, wait, hang on. Let me let me go back she, with Walking Dead. No, she never did Game of Thrones. In this case, I, I kind of dabbled, but I utterly missed season three. Mm. So I've gone back. I, I rewatched some of my favorite episodes from season five and six, and then I also, I've been diving back into season three. Wow. A lot happens in season three. That's a good season. <laughs> You're so great. You're watching the show completely out of order. Well, season three, you got uh, they're they're taking uh, they're taking Raven Boy. You know they want to take him to the wall. You've got uh, you got Walter Frey holding a little event. You might remember mm-hmm. around uh, around I episode eight. That's a heck of a thing. Mm-hmm. That's a very very good show. You know nothing, Jon Snow. That's what I watched last night. And uh, oh, I wanted to watch Brienne fight a bear. That was pretty great. Mm-hmm. So I saw I saw the Jamie saga. You know, some of the stuff he's going through. It's been a good use of my time. Oh, did you get that picture of the cat? Isn't she I sweet? Did. I have. <laughs> did you think the right eye is connected in any way to the left eye, or are they just in a separate animal? She, she was waking up. <laughs> she sleeps by the heater. Well, she looks mm, kind of like a wax a... sculpture of herself. <laughs> no, you know what she looks like. Um, have you ever seen in real life when somebody gets taxidermy of their pet? <laughs> yep, yep. And it's. And I think a lot of people try to economize on that. Mm-hmm. She looks like a discount taxidermy cat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I tried to get the eyes right. I think I got the flaps pretty good. The whole face. The whole face is a problem. No, she's disorganized. It looks, she's like a, like a puzzle of a cat. Very, very sort of cloudy, waxy eyes. <laughs> she's old. You know, we saved her from a terrible situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now she gets to sleep by a heater. And I, I say, what are you doing? <laughs> she's, she's fine. She's fine. But uh, you know what it is, man? It's the end of the summer. And like, for, we're recording this today. As we record this, it is Tuesday, right? 2017, yeah. Well, I had Friday in there. Uh, Tuesday, August 15th, as we record this. And boy, it's been a, <laughs> it's been a heck of a day. Mm. It's been a heck of a day. I've uh, uh, National Relaxation Day today, right? Yeah, National Relaxation Day. Every, 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 this vacation, my, my little mini vacation where I get the house to myself for a few days, it's been my goal to have like a day off. 
like a true day off, as in like I don't look at the internet, I read a book, I take a walk, I go somewhere and have a meal maybe, but a legitimate like, you know, a day off where I actually set myself to the task of having a day off. And it's been very difficult to do the last few days because of events. And so I'm kind of stressed out tonight. My heartbeat was very high today. You wouldn't have known about the events if you were off the internet. You see how this is? See, but here's the problem. When I wake up in the morning, like, some things have to happen. I want to make sure my sleep gets synced with my phone. <laughs> yeah. I have to at least look at the screen. Otherwise, did you even really sleep? I don't know. I don't know until I look. And I say, come on, no whammies, no whammies, no whammies. Give me big numbers. Yeah. And uh, I have to look at my phone. And then once I look at my phone, it's, you know, it's kind of over. You know, it's, it, it isn't more than like 30 seconds to go from mm. screen lock to I'm looking at Twitter. And then it's like, oh, God. And then like today, today, I literally just sat there all day cleaning the house to have it nice for the family. But then I also just, I spent the whole day just going flucka, flucka, flucka. It's been stressful. But, you know, let's not bicker and argue about who killed who. This is a happy occasion. <laughs> um, this week, is that your pick for topic? Uh, uh Sure, I have some bet. It's been on my mind since uh, since the last thing we recorded, and I just, I don't know. Sure, I mean, we got many topics, too. We, this week, we have a uh, whatever comes up, plus we've got a topic, and we have a spoiler slot, which this week we are going to finally talk about season three of The Leftovers uh, in great detail, and as usual. Well, uh, not that great detail, since neither one of us really remembers it anymore, but we'll do our best. Uh, and, you know, this is going to be a, a good opportunity for you to talk about this. And um, so those are our two main things, plus whatever comes up. Uh, but also, um, you know, we don't like to do this too often. I think we do this precisely once a year. But we want to uh, tell you a little bit about how, it, it, may I, at this point? Yes, please do. Okay, uh, we want to tell you uh, a, uh, a little bit about how you can support us, but arguably more importantly, how you can support the network on which our show resides, which is Relay FM, which you can find at Relay.FM. Um, we don't talk about these things a lot. We don't want to be mercantile. We have important things to discuss here, but we want to let you know that uh, right now, August is a special month. Every August, we celebrate the anniversary of the network launching. This is the third anniversary. It was launched in 2014. And and the way this works is we get paid money uh, from advertisers. Some of that money goes to the network. Some of that money goes to us. But one thing um, we ask people to do who are interested is to consider becoming a member of Relay FM And membership, as they say, does have its privileges. So basically what you can do, uh, can't get past this, you got to go to relay.fm slash membership. And a lot of things I'm about to tell you now, you can read on that page, relay.fm slash membership. And you will learn a little bit about how this works. It's actually fairly simple. Um, you can choose to support this network for uh, starting at $5 a month. Now when you sign up, you can get, uh, you actually get some pretty cool stuff. You get a nice newsletter. Um, you get access to a, a private feed so you get stuff like if there's like pilots or ideas for new shows or shows that will be launching soon, you get to hear them there. And a really neat thing in the month of August is all of the shows, all the great shows on Relay do a bonus episode that is made available only to members. You may remember last August, we visited with our friend John Roderick uh, from another program I do with him. Uh, it was really fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, he and uh, John Sarkis talked a lot about skiing. But the only way to get that, unless you're a scofflaw, is, is to become a member. Uh, and uh, so at relay.fm slash membership. And we just recorded, oh boy, here we go. As this show comes out, 
members of the network will have recently had access to our August 2017 special members episode. Do you want to, do you want to tell the listeners about that, Sean? I'm just thinking that it's, uh, for, for all how we got uh, bogged down in politics at the end, imagine if we had recorded that just a few days later, we just would have taken over the whole show. <laughs> what, was, what was that show, John? Uh, we recorded a podcast with some, some more people on other podcasts that Merlin does. Was, we, uh, we had uh, two of our visitors in. We had my, our friends Alex Cox and Max Temkin, people who work at Cars Against Humanity and uh, who I do the show Do By Friday with. And I thought it was fun. I thought it was very lively. It was very, by turns, very silly and very serious. And uh, It was I mostly so- silly, and then we got serious at the end. But me and Max are not allowed to be allowed to talk to each other. That's basically how it goes. Or, alternatively, you should have a podcast together every week, because that would be really great. <sighs> I can't. I can take it. How really? I mean, see the two the two of you on Do by Friday, you outnumber him, and somehow, but like, <laughs> I don't I don't know when 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 it was all four of us, you just you just let us go off. Ah, uh, my favorite part about doing these, first of all, obviously above all, I'm so happy that our listeners have the opportunity to to hear uh, hear these wonderful shows. Uh, Relay.fm slash membership. The other nice part about whether it's you getting to visit with John Roderick or Max getting to visit with you, everyone talking to Dan. I'm just so glad when I can be there when my other co-hosts have to deal with each other and I just get to sit and watch. I just go, see, that's what it's like. This is what it's like for me. This is what it's like for me to deal with all of you. You know how easy I am to deal with? You're you're a dream. I am. I'm a sweet, precious angel. <laughs> I'm a good, good boy. You might need to have so your ear scooped soon, but other than that, you're fine. <sighs> Man, I could see it. It's kind of black inside. Um, but anyway, that that uh, so uh, if all goes to schedule, the show you're listening to now, hello, uh, will come out on uh, around August 24th. And members will have already enjoyed three or four days of listening to that special episode in the feed. And this isn't just our show. This is all the great shows. So uh, yeah, yeah. Even if you're not interested in our special episode because you don't know, uh, you don't listen to it by Friday, you don't know who those people are. You get all the special episodes. I, you know, that's that's the reason I'm a member is because I want I hear my own special episode, but I want to hear everyone else's special episodes. There's that's right. Really that's good right. Ones I, in there. I just got my email. Uh, I think. I believe this morning, uh, warning me that it's time for me to re-up. How crazy is that? I pay $100 a year to the network that pays me because I really enjoy these shows. One of the ones I listen to a lot. Let's see. I mean, just some of my favorites I, I rarely miss. I love Canvas. I love Clockwise. I love Connected. I'm not leaving anybody out. Cortex with uh, Gray and Mike Curley. So great. New show download. A lot of fun. Um, reconcile differences can be good. Oh, you got Alex's show, uh, Roboism, that she does with Savannah. Uh, all the great shows, uh, and you get all those special episodes. Now, you know, I, I like money, much like uh, Frito Pendejo. I can tell you that I, that I that I I like money, but I also like real talk. I like the idea of supporting this network. Whenever these kinds of things come up, things I'm involved with, I say, hey, you know, if you want to give us money, that'd be great. But I also like the idea that everybody gets a little dough out of this. But what you can do is you can choose to do. Let me get this straight. This is only work. It's only slightly confusing. Is that basically you can go in and do the all the great shows program where your donation of what are the three levels? It's five dollars a month, five dollars a month, ten dollars a month, a hundred dollars per year for the annual, and that can be dispersed amongst all the great shows. Or if you have a particular Affection for a show, uh, you can go and visit that show page and choose to give more of your money there. So if you if you particularly like this show, you can go to relay.fm slash RD, Reconcilable Differences, and you can tithe there. 
Once you're joined up, you get, uh, like I said, bonus episodes, members-only podcasts, behind-the-scenes newsletter, previews, new shows. Oh, these new 5K wallpapers. Have you seen these? Who did that? Was that, uh, did, did Frank Tal do those? Did he do those? Yeah, I think he did. I'm trying to figure out how how they happened. I think it's an upscaling. Maybe this touched up. I don't know, some black magic involved in taking old Mac uh, desktops from, from back when the Mac didn't have a retina screen and cranking them up so they fill a five, uh, 5K iMac screen. It's pretty cool. And they look really, really great. And they even if you oh, got wait, a big... no, not those. Not the... you're getting me confused. Why are you why are you agreeing with me when I say wrong things? These yes. are backgrounds for each show. I also have these. Yes. Yes. Backgrounds for each show. We have one. There's the reconcilable differences. Five K. I don't edit for content, John. I'm just I'm just here to. I'm confused because there is multiple five K. Anyway, the thing I was describing is a real thing. Someone took the old Mac OS ten uh, backgrounds and zoomed them up to five K. But also, there's a five K uh, desktop background for every single show on the Relay Network. Every single show. I am just a correction sink for all of my hosts. Plus, you get fifteen percent off anything in the merchandise store. I I don't want to, that stuff like stickers and whatnot. Do we have I don't stickers drive in there? Long. I hope we have. We usually have in stickers there. in there. I, well, I think we might be in a fun pack. They got shirts. Oh, they got the AirPod case sticker. That's a good sticker. Uh, it varies. They have different things, different times. Um, but, you know, uh, real talk from the heart. Uh, it means a lot to me that podcasts stay uh, independent. And and by independent, I mean that, you know, it's there's a real clear relationship here, which is that folks at this network put out these shows and they're compensated for it. And you could be a supporter of that Uh and I think that's that's a good thing. I belong to I belong to the incomparable. I belong to Relay, Slate. I mean, I I personally believe in paying for these things. If you don't, that's okay. Or you can't. Obviously, that's okay. But if you would choose to, you can go to Relay.fm/slash/membership, and uh, you know, throw a little uh, throw a little love uh, our way. How'd I do on that? Just fine. It's hard. I don't know. It was only one, only one time a year. Although the fact that it's in August, like this was, they did a Q and A video. Did you see that one? Uh, mm-hmm. I, I saw it exists. I haven't looked at it yet. Uh, and they talk about, oh, why, why is it August? Why is August? It's like, oh, it's just the time when they were ready to launch the website. But it's inconvenient scheduling wise because we're all we're all on vacation. I'm gonna petition them to be like, yeah, okay. So the official launch date of Relay was August, but you can move the membership drive anywhere in the year. I don't, I don't know when. When do you think would be ideal? I think, I think. Well, just because it's adjacent, September would be better. Yeah, August is weird, man. I mean, it used to be it was only France that wasn't around in August, but now it's it's very. Just as somebody who's had to reschedule many shows, I can tell you, August is a crazy month to try and do anything. Yeah. Anyway, we get it done. Yes, get her done. That's what I say. You got to really have slash membership if you are particularly pecunious. Is that a word? If you're picky, you can go to uh, relay.fm slash rd and you can click there to give us lots of money if you want. Personally, I just assume you give it to the network because I love. Do you care, John? No, no, no. Now, John, you're very competitive. You probably like people to give us money. They should give to whatever they want to give it for. Like, it's nice that you have the flexibility. It's just not you're dumping money into a big pit. Like, if you like a particular show, support it. If you like the whole network, support it. Like, it's options. Yeah, first past the post. But I wouldn't say, like, if you, if you just listen to Reconcilable Differences, obviously give it to us. Like, give it yeah, to the no whole question. network. You don't listen to any of the other shows. It's just us. Yeah. Well, so what's the point of that? They're, they're, they're good folks. They're great to work with. And uh, we're very, I, I, for myself, am very happy to have the show here. It's a nice home. So, end the Dunning segment. I sound like Rachel Maddow. Gotta move my papers aside. <laughs> ah.
how's she doing these days? Have you che- been checking in with her? Yeah, yeah. I watched her last night. Yeah. <laughs> I watch so much MSNBC now. Uh, John, I don't like talking about these things. I keep it off the air, but oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I, I, I don't know how you do that. Like watch, like I am exposed to that world when I'm in airports. It's the only time I see any news channels or when my parents visit and they insist on watching the news. And I just don't know how people do it. Like it just, I don't know what to compare it to. It's, you know, in the airport, you know, you're assaulted with it. Like you can't, you can't avoid it. You try to put in the headphones, but like you're there for hours and it's the only thing in your field of view. And you just find yourself looking up at it. You just go, no, no, just stop. Don't, don't look because it doesn't right. matter what, it doesn't matter if the news they're showing is good news, bad news, happy news, sad news, news that you agree with news that you, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. It's just the fact that they're just constantly in your face, swooshing things in and having tickers and talking heads. And I can't, I Countdowns. can't handle it. I, can't <laughs> no, handle I agree. It. I, I agree. It's a blight, but I, I mean, think of the, for the, for example, like, um, you know, think about, um, you listening to what's the one you like? Yeah. You, you want to sit down, and listen to Joshua tree. So you put mm. on the Joshua tree, you probably listen to it from the beginning. You have it at the volume you like. You got it exactly the way that you want. That's, a, you know, it's one of your favorite records and you get to go and enjoy it on your own terms. But like if you were trying to get to sleep and your neighbor was playing the Joshua Tree really loud, you'd hate it. And in this case, like going into the airport, uh, which I've been in a, a lot in the last week, uh, it, it is an assault. At, at one of the points in my travel journey, and if you go and listen to that very special uh, episode, you'll get to hear about my travel ordeals. Pretty exciting. I found myself sitting in something called a Wahlburgers and I was sitting there having a burger and I, there were, I was at the bar because it was easy to get one person seat at the bar. And there were three screens set out before me. Two of them had sports ball. And one of them was running a reel of information about uh, the, the new kids on the block guy and the underpants guy. Uh, and, I, and I realized that I'm in the titular restaurant of the Wahlberg family. <laughs> that's, what, that's what the wall was for. I was wondering, now, what the now, now, now I know what it means. What I a, just what a clever they, name. I knew they'd have vodka. So I went in there because uh, vodka is what I drink when I'm in an airport. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't drink it many other places, but I always have some vodka in an airport. And then I ended up watching uh, these these various uh, brothers homunculus ambling around being amiable. Uh, but then I, it's all it's all sports ball and C- CNBC and all that stuff. Now, if I'm at home and it's been a long day of looking at Twitter, sometimes I like to unwind with with my pal Rachel Maddow. I enjoy that. Hmm. I don't know. I don't I, like I, being assaulted. Though. I can't. I can't enjoy that. I can't. I don't. I don't know I why. Think, I think I've explained this to you before. I know I've explained it in other places. I've explained it to my friend Max. But my my problem is that I feel insane with what <laughs> is happening, and I feel a little less insane when somebody else says the thing that I'm thinking. That's why I do it. I think it's the same reason anybody watches anything. <sighs> I know what I'm doing. You don't do that. No, I mean, no. Like it, no. when I want to unwind, the, 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 I mean, I, I re- identify more with you watching old episodes of Game of Thrones, but like, I don't want to see someone on the news telling me what's happened and explaining. It's just, I mean, you just post the picture of your blood pressure. It just makes it, it's, just, it's the opposite of relaxing. It gets me all wound up. Yeah, I, yeah. I had a whole I day of that. I don't, don't need it. I need to relax and just disintegrate into a puddle. And I can't do that when someone's telling me about usually terrible things. This year's changed me. Uh, I'm not proud of it. I'm not happy about it. But uh, it's something where like if I if I start paying attention to it, I can't stop paying attention to it. And now that I have Hulu, like an idiot, 
I can watch cable TV stuff, and it's been a blight for me. All I all I watch is CNN, CNN and MSNBC. Oh, CNN. I know, I know, but it depends. Sometimes I like the host. Well, Wolf Blitzer, yeah, he tells you to stand by because you're in the Situation Room. <sighs> you're in the Situation Room, Wolf. You could, can you could redirect all this energy to doomsday prepping or something? <laughs> That's a good idea. I should do that. I worked a lot on Planty. So tomorrow, I'll make a decision about Planty. My wife confided in me tonight that she thinks we should probably let Planty go. And I said, that's that's crazy talk. You've got to give Planty a little oh, more time. Oh, I mean, Planty looks so healthy in that photo. What do you mean, let Planty go? Like, like set it free in the backyard so it can roam wild? I'll send it to a farm, you know, where it could live out its mm. days. I mean, it looked okay. I mean, it wasn't, it was like green and upright and not wilted. So you feel like I've done a pretty good job, huh? I, I can't, but I'm saying it's not like on death's door, right? Yeah. You see that pile of towels? Yeah, I do. I have been looking at that. I was like, is that a pair of underwear in there? I don't know what's going on. <laughs> you don't want to know why those are there. Oh, I sure had a John Syracuse. I'm thinking about John Syracuse a moment. Is this plant, by the way, another item in your house that is uh, impeding egress? No, 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 no. Plant is, is like just out there. Staircase that's behind <clears throat> that's our it? Fire, that's our fire escape slash tiny back porch. All right. Well, so fire escape. Like it's where you escape if there's if there's fire, but they would have got out if it wasn't for the pile of shoes in the plant. <laughs> Planty's got to come with us. You're not taking that plant. Towels are from when I was uh, I was drawing a bath and, and I had some headphones on and I thought, oh, as long as I'm drawing a bath, I'll also um, start a souffle in the oven. I know. Well, I decided I'd run the water for the uh, for the dishes. <laughs> so, so before we even get to this. <laughs> You are one of those people who fills the sink with water to some degree to do dishes. Yeah, we got a single hole. We got a one holer. Yep, uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. do we, but uh, we are not a family that does that. We should talk about this dish methodology. I think mine is very sound. Hmm. Uh, well, my means my means were not sound on this particular day when I decided to take an afternoon bath. So I drew a bath, and with our new hot water heater, we had enough luxurious hot water for me to run the bath all the way hot, as well as fill up the sink with hot, sudsy water. Are there dishes in the sink? Dirty dishes are already in the sink? Yeah, yeah. What I do is, so first I run the water hot in a mostly empty sink. Mm-hmm. Then I put in the plunger. Then I put in a medium amount of dish liquid. Now, most people use way more dish liquid than they need. Mm-hmm. I, use, I use the approximately right amount. But I know not to use too much. That's just wasteful. I get a good foam on. And then once there's a good foam where the entire surface of the water is foamy, that's when I start slipping in. You got your dishes, you got your bowls, you got some sideways glasses. I fill that up. I'm not a fan of leaving dishes in the sink. This is kind of a point of contention in my house. I think the sink needs to always be clear unless you're in the process of doing the dishes. Or taking a bath. Well, this particular day, a la my Zatarans, I thought, you know what? Why don't I do a little bit of double duty here? I'm walking around, I'm listening to my brother. My brother and me on the headphones, I'm walking around. You fill this thing up. So all good, all good, all good. So I go, I go to the, I go to the bathtub. I'm getting ready to take my bath. I take off my headphones. Uh, I turn off the bath, and I hear a sound, <laughs> which is kind of like this. And I think, think to myself, I think that's kind of a strange sound. <laughs> I walk, I walk into the kitchen. And everything goes into slow motion. Because it's been running for about 15 minutes. <laughs> this, is, this is why you can't be home alone. You're so right. This is why you we can insert, insert clips of you indignantly insisting <laughs> that, that, uh, that, what do you think I am, an imbecile? I have problems. That, like, I'm not going to forget that it's on. 
You have no idea how normally good I am about these kinds of things. Here's, my, here's the kinds of rules that I have. My kinds of rules that I have are never put anything you wouldn't want it to be overnight, right? From the urinal to the kitchen sink, don't put things where you wouldn't want it to be overnight. Here's the thing with me. I get up in the morning. You know what I do? I mean, first I look at Twitter, but then I hold up my watch. I hold down the digital crown and I say, I hit the dingus and I say, remind me to get my watch in 45 minutes. I take off my watch. I put it on a little stand. <laughs> every every right? day? Oh, every day. I do it twice a day. Uh, Remind me Because otherwise you don't is, get your stand. Is, is your wife already awake at this point? Please say she's already awake. What do you mean? During the day? Oh, yeah. She's usually awake at that point. I'm just saying, like, if she's waking up every day to the sound of you talking to your watch, remind, you're reminding yourself to get your watch in 45 minutes. I'm very, I'm very discreet about it. Here's another thing. You know what? I never light a candle in the house without setting a timer. That's how good I am. Mm-hmm. Well, but you'll turn on the water in the sink while you're running a bath and just wander away. Well, it's the exception that proves the rule. And so, and so I'll say to myself, I'll, I'll say to the dingus, I'll say, remind me to turn off the candle in 20 minutes, because that's how we say it in my house. It's, yeah, turn off the candle. And because uh, that was somebody, somebody misspoke that once in 2001, and we still say it. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's how good I am. But in this case, the system failed because there was no system. And then, John, there was so much water. There was so, so, so much water. I was say, did you miss an opportunity to like uh, flash freeze it and get an ice skating rink out of your kitchen or something? When I tell you that it ran for 15 minutes, can you get a little kind of a mental shot of like how much water that would be? So I see the waterfall coming down. I mean, you got to have the overflow, but I guess you were overwhelming the overflow or maybe there is no overflow in your kitchen. No sink? overflow. No uh, overflow. Right, it's nice. So, not it's, not a, so not it's, coming over, it's coming over the front edge and oh, you yeah. got a nice waterfall right. going there. The I sides. think oh, like, yeah. the cabinets... Are uh, nice and drenched. Probably get water inside the lower cabinets too. It's gonna seep in there, and then you got it. Then you got onto your floor, and it's just spreading out. Is, is there a carpet on any, any of the adjoining rooms that are sucking this up? Well, luckily, our our house is so old and and so uh, poorly put together that there's lots of holes that allow means of egress for anything, whether that's heat or water, sudsy water. So first thing I did is I ran down the steps. Plenty wasn't there at the time. Digga, 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 digga. I run down the steps and I look and, 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 and good news, it's pouring out the side of the house. That's actually a really good sign because that's the same thing it did when the water heater blew up. How, how, is it get, how is it getting out of the side of your house? It's a 1928. Yeah, but like, is I, it so through I, the floor? I texted my neighbors and I said, hey, just so you know, when you get home, you know, you <laughs> might be flooded. Sorry in advance. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. I had to take a bath. <laughs> I didn't even make lunch yet. So that's why those towels are out there. I really got to pick those up. So that's, that's a tiny amount of towels for what you're describing is like a biblical level of flooding. Well, there's more on the other side of the door. I noticed that these wet towels are wadded up into a ball on a porch that's covered with water. The best place for them to dry, really. That water's from Planty. All right. So when I did, right. when I gave Planty Planty a bath and a medical treatment, I, I spritz it with a water bottle. I, I spritz it with the three way sauce, and then I put in just under a, a liter of water if she's very thirsty. Because we've been gone for quite a while. I don't like to talk about operational security. I don't talk mm-hmm. about where I go. But we I, we've been away for a while, and a planet a uh, leaf had fallen, and I thought Planty needs a lot of water, and it wasn't even registering on the moisturogram. So a lot of that water is from Planty. Also, it's just very foggy. All right. Well, and anyway, for the drying of the towels, you would think like you got these railings here. Just if you yes. drape the towels over the railings, maybe they might dry. I will probably do that tomorrow. But you, how, how many days were you on your own? Three days? Four? I got back right before we started recording last Friday. So <clears throat> an hour before. So Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, Monday night. Yeah. Right. And so did you did you tell the rest of your family about your water adventures before or like 
just when it happened, during, after, wait till they come home? That's a very good question. First of all, it happened probably three weeks ago, and no, I haven't told them. <laughs> well, I mean, you must have done a good job cleaning up. If, 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 if they haven't noticed, and they haven't noticed your neighbors giving you new dirty looks. <laughs> that's not fire damage. That's, that's the idiot who leaves the sink running. Well, that's the first time that's it. Well, it happened once before, but not as much. It's over. It's overflowed once before, but nothing like this, buddy. This was diluvian. It's overflowed. I like that. Mm-hmm. It's overflowed. Mm-hmm. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Eero. You can learn more about Eero right now by visiting Eero.com. That's E-E-R-O.com. Eero. Never think about Wi-Fi again. Isn't that a nice idea? Eero has created the dream Wi-Fi setup. It's a fast, reliable connection throughout your entire house, even the backyard. And now is the best time to get on board with Eero. They've just released their new super slick second generation devices. I know wherever I speak, these are great devices. They now have tri-band second generation models that along with the Eero Beacon allows you to build a Wi-Fi system that's perfectly tailored to your home. These second-generation Eros include a third 5 gigahertz radio, making it twice as fast as before, and it lets you do more than ever. Whatever your Wi-Fi needs, Eero has the power to blanket your entire home in fast, reliable Wi-Fi. This is true. Your Eero sits flat on any surface. You just plug it into the wall with the included power adapter. You're good to go. Connect your Eero either with uh, Ethernet or wirelessly. The new Eero also includes a new thread radio, which lets you connect to low-power devices, such as locks, doorbells, and more. Great new thing, Eero has introduced the new Eero Beacon. This little dingus is so cool, you just plug it into a wall and expand coverage into any room. You can add as many Eero Beacons as you want, so long as you have that Eero device. It's really cool. It also has a little built-in nightlight. It's really neat. It's got a little LED to let you know that it's working. The Eero app that you have on your little dingus lets you manage your network from the palm of your hand. You can easily create and share a guest network. And Eero customer support is amazing. You can call and get hold of a Wi-Fi expert in just 30 seconds. Listen, they sent me this new second generation Eero, and I'm all in on the Eero lifestyle. Uh, It works fantastically, so much better than what I had before. We just don't get those drop-offs we used to. And I love to use the uh, little app. I've gone in and I've named all of my devices and put little emoji in there. I've personalized it. Sometimes I just go in and... uh, I'll just go ahead and uh, check the internet connection and uh, speed test it just to be able to brag to myself a little bit. Eero does that for you. It's it's a really a great setup. And now this new Eero system starts at just $3.99 for one second generation Eero and two beacons. That's the setup that I have and recommend. That's everything you're going to need to get started. Now, listeners of this show can get free overnight shipping to the U.S. or Canada. Head over to Eero.com and use the promo code DIFFS. That's D-I-F-F-S. Promo code DIFFS is going to get you free overnight shipping. Nothing wrong with that. Oh, such a great setup. You got to get this thing. Our thanks to Eero for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. John, you want to talk about midlife crisis? We talked about midlife crisis a little bit on our special member episode, but this is a bee in your bonnet, and, and I want to know what you're thinking about. Uh, you probably want to confess some things, I'm guessing. We're just going to skip over all the mini topics, I guess. Oh, dude. Do we have time? I don't know. I mean, maybe. Like, what are we? What are we at? We're at thirty-five. Uh, I'm thinking midlife crisis isn't going to be that long, and uh, leftovers isn't going to be that long because none of us remember anything. So I figure we could we could we could pluck a mini, unless you think we can't. It's up to you. Let's do one and a half. One easy half one. 
was do we have we we didn't actually talk about this yet the fincher cgi video we haven't talked about it that's why it's still in there but i've seen it yeah so what are you what are you thinking about that why 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 did you put that in there how's it speaking to you so um i'll put this in show notes right now um well you know this is in our little community of friends especially on twitter like this is this is a beyond a, a running bit to being like like a funny cliche but you know a lot of people are fond of saying things along the lines the cliche line is that cgi is ruining movies and uh, that drives people like our friend todd crazy and i think it probably drives people like joe crazy and dan crazy and adam probably crazy anybody who does anything with you know vfx and compositing and all those kinds of things because they will often tell you, well, you know, first of all, nothing's killing movies. Movies are doing mostly okay. But like a lot of times what you're seeing is very low budget or poorly executed VFX, often of something fictional. So like if you didn't like the way that dragon looked, like and you don't buy in, like you might kind of not like that movie and think, oh God, that's so bad. Or what's another example? Like the fact that Michael Bay can make Transformers movies at all upsets people, right? Because they're like, oh, this is so bad. These movies, it's such garbage. You know what I mean? And, and something that, that a lot of folks like our friend Todd say is, well, what you may not know is that, you know, it, it isn't like people just walk out with a camera and a light and the talent and just commit that to film. That there's actually a surpassing amount of different kinds of visual effects beyond like Ray Harryhausen stuff, like visual effects and CGI that you just never notice in a movie where they're, they're sweetening something up. Maybe they're doing something with color grading. But that there's all kinds of things people are doing in the area, era of digital film that maybe that you don't even notice and it would be really careless to write that whole thing off as CGI is ruining movies. And I thought this particular little short movie by Captain Christian was a great example of this, of like, oh my God, what David Fincher does with visual effects that I never even realized were visual effects completely blows my mind. I think the good uh, uh, analog to this and the, the, the way I tend to think about it after watching this is how economically it makes sense to do the things they show here. So, you know, if you haven't seen the video, what they're showing is uh, visual effects that are not a giant dragon attacking a city or, you know, uh, a meteor hitting a planet or whatever things that you you know couldn't be real. But just just the breadth the breadth of it though that it, it isn't just to make a dragon. It could be to just change the way that this scenery looks. It could it all the way up to creating an entire world that doesn't look like a CGI world, but also things like camera shots. Like you could not do. It would be difficult to do the camera shots that are happening in his movies, especially in things like Fight Club, without doing it digitally. Uh, but I was thinking of the, uh, TV shows like Boardwalk Empire. Uh, where like economically, like in this thing they show, it's a city street at night, right? So we can do city street at night. You just go someplace at the street right. at nighttime and you put a camera there and you're done. How does it make sense economically to do that in the computer? Well, if, you know, you want a specific street in a specific location and it has to be nighttime and you need a big crew and all this, like it's it's cheaper apparently or you know, especially for things like TV shows, to do it in a studio and to fill in the background with a computer. And the background is nothing special, just a bunch of buildings, maybe some cars, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That makes sense monetarily. Uh, and it works because most people watching it have no idea that that's a special effect. And why would it be? It's like, well, why wouldn't they just go in front of a building? 
Like, wouldn't they just go down a street? Why is this? Why would the alley be CG? There's a million alleys. Like, surely, you know, if anything, they would think, oh, this was cheaply shot because they did it on the back lot because all they needed was, you know, an alley or a city street or, one, you know, some common location that surely some studio back lot has already set up or it's easy to find, uh, you know, even if they have to, have to do real on location shooting or something. Like, it's not that hard to do. Um, so you never notice that it's an effect because you're not looking for it because it's just a brick wall and the brick wall is out of focus because your actors are in focus and you're like, you're not thinking about it at all. And yet they're choosing to do this, I guess, two things. One, for control with Fincher. It's like, I know exactly what I want to see and it would be really hard to get exactly what I want in real life on location. But it's really easy for me to just build the front parts of the set and have the actress sit and do the whole scene in front of a blue screen and then I'll fill in the background and nobody will ever know. Uh, I think one of the things in this Fincher video was saying that like, what was it? Vert- uh, not Vertigo. Uh, Zodiac. Uh, had the Zodiac more, one is crazy. Ha- had more effect shots than, than Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's just because like, they, I mean, especially it's a period piece. So like if you need the background to look like it looked in, in the whatever the 70s or whenever this was set. He wants it to be this particular corner with th- these particular kinds of buildings, these particular cars, and he basically made, was it a 360? Like a 360 little CGI world that was just all done with a green screen, but I've seen that movie twice, and I never questioned it for a second. Yeah, and all sorts of like face replacement stuff where you have a bunch of people doing things, and you need to make twins out of people who aren't actually twins, so you shove the face of the guy and the other thing. It seems like a lot of work. Maybe in the Fincher case, controls where it makes sense, but Boardwalk Empire, they just... You know, it was cheaper. They didn't have the money to build all these sets. Right. So, so much of Boardwalk, there's lots of good Boardwalk Empire, you know, like video reels of showing like everything you saw was fake. The people, the boardwalk, the buildings, like, you know, wow. whole huge set extensions. And you don't question it because you're not looking at it. It's background. It's background. Mm-hmm. Like, even if it's in focus, it's so far away. So, I mean, that that's, that's the age that we live in. And nobody watches Boardwalk Empire and says... CG is ruining television shows because you think it is all quote unquote practical. Like you think it's, it's a bunch of wood. They're a boardwalk. It's people dressed in costumes <laughs> and they're talking to each other and shooting each other with guns. There's no visual effects in this show at all. And yet they're everywhere. Yeah. I was, uh, like I say, I've been watching old game of Thrones and like, uh, I don't think of myself as having a particularly sharp eye for these kinds of things, but even between season three and was it seven now, I noticed a big difference, even at just things like, um, uh, Winterfell, I guess. Is that where is that where Sansa is now? Yep. Yeah. So even even like the shots of like the courtyardish areas at Winterfell, I really noticed the the difference. It looked it looks you know good in the third season, but it looks really really good now. And uh, I don't know. I just thought I'd share that with people because I think that's that that video. One of those interesting instances where I went into that already kind of thinking, aha, this is going to prove a bunch of stuff that I already think I think. And then I watched it and I was like, wow, this is it's even more this way than I expected. And, but I like your point about the, the budgetary or time constraints. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next five, 10 years with this, because you can also think about like, you know, I mean, like right now it seems silly to see Andy Serkis in a green suit with ping pong balls on it. But like that guy pulls out some pretty amazing performances that, you know, as, as he is fond of bringing up on talk shows, the performances that he does in that movie are actually really quite amazing it's a lot more than just walking around and being replaced by a monkey there's a lot more to it so i mean i could see this being something that gosh when this gets scaled to where it's something more like very young independent filmmakers can do and you can focus so much more on the dealing with the talent on the day than thinking about like whether this shot is going to match i think if you've seen any of the videos what peter jackson went through on lord of the rings with those 
crazy foreshortening things, those tricks that he had to do with changing the table and stuff like that. I don't know. Just a bit points for an interesting future. Uh, correction. It was actually the social network that had more visual effect shots than Godzilla. So Zodiac, at least, like, it had, you had, well, I guess there's some period stuff in that as well. But you, people don't think of the social network as a effects-driven uh, movie, right? There's no spaceships. It's just Mark Zuckerberg, right? right? More visual effect shots than Godzilla. Right. But the stuff, whether that's something as simple and surprising as how you jazz up, not the Charles River, but whatever river they're, they're rowing on, um, like the way that they jazz up the background on that to like the incredibly sophisticated way they do Army Hammer, where they actually, I think, didn't they have a second actor and just put his face yep. on that actor? But I mean, it's, it's really, it's, it's quite amazing. Very good, very well done video. Recommended. What did I watch? I had a link to this the other day. Have you watched this, uh, that one dude's Game of Thrones videos? Which I think I might have Instapapered it. Which dude are you talking X, about? Or someone, all, I think you tweeted it like or it was explaining episodes or something. Yeah, they're really good. I, I think they're really good. Especially for me where I haven't read the books and I have spotty, everything pre-season five is a little spotty for me. Like when he, he goes in every episode, he like does like an explainer. I think you might like it. They're pretty good. Boy, Netflix... Netflix and the, the the trailer thing that they're doing now, like when you stop on a show for a second, it starts playing a video. I'm, I haven't seen that. Oh, my God. To use your words, it's no good. So they do a thing, you know, like in Plex, you can have that thing where like when you're looking at TV shows, it'll play the theme song. Like when you pause on it for <laughs> no, a second. I don't know that. I shut that off day one. Netflix now has a thing where when you're looking, you're flipping through tick, 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 tick on their endless scrolling infinite wraparound interface, which now drives me completely crazy. You stop for a second on Icarus, which is a very good movie, and it starts playing like the scene from the show. It's, it's, it's like a, a game of hot lava with spoilers. Yes. Yes. No, it's like it's like us complaining about the DVD extra, the DVD menu, and you're mm-hmm. like, ah, don't show me those things. It's the worst. So bad. Alt-Shift-X. Uh, first main topic this week, midlife crisis. Or crises. Yeah, and the reason I thought this would be short is like I had it in I had it in a show where we were talking to Max and Alex because they're young and I wanted to hear what they had to say about midlife crisis, but we got we derailed ourselves with politics. But we're we're old and we have, I guess we have something to say about it, but not not as much. But anyway, I didn't it, I wanted to move it up. It's that been down on the list for a long time. Yeah, we should get we should get to it. I you know, I'm 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 at once I'm somewhat intrigued by it, somewhat scared by it. And I, I also feel like it's a very either Generally, in in most, I feel like generally, it's either a cliche, poorly defined, or both. Like, what is a midlife crisis? So, do you? Well, first of all, do you feel like you you are having or have had a midlife crisis? My whole life is a crisis. Like, it's. I mean, I, I'm just on this constant roller coaster of, you know, uh, emotional uncertainty. But I, I do th- I do suspect. You see, I put in notes. Something I picked up in college, which is um, Erickson's stages of psychosocial development. Erickson says basically that there are <clears throat> one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, depending on how long you live, there are eight major stages where you're going to have a psychological crisis that you have to get through, right? So, for example, he says from let's jump in somewhere interesting for preschool age, from when you're four to five, the virtue of purpose, the crisis, initiative versus guilt. The significant relationship is your family. The existential question is, is it okay for me to do, move, and act? And that's where you learn things, exploring, using tools, et cetera. 
you get to something like adolescence, the virtue of fidelity, identity versus role confusion. Who am I? Who can I be? Early adulthood, let's just go straight to the questions here. Early adulthood, 20 to 39, can I love? And that is the crisis of intimacy versus isolation. Erickson, writing a long time ago, from 40 to 64 says we go through the virtue of care. And the psychosocial crisis is generativity versus stagnation. Existential question, can I make my life count? So that was a lot of talking to get to this point. But I think that's a lot of people get to a point, especially men probably, get to a point where they wonder, can I make my life count? Does my life count? Like, what have I done with my life? When you say especially men. Uh, especially oh, white American men. I mean, like, there's, like, I, I guess there's pressure on everybody. No, continue. All right, well, so, but you've read these, these life stages before, and I don't know how, how well-known they are among people who have something other than an engineering education, but I've only heard them from you. And every time you just uh, read them to me, they remind me of horoscopes or fortunes because yeah. every one of them is a thing that you say, yes, that is true of me, and I can relate to that feeling. And in fact, I related to that exact thing during that exact time period. But everybody... They apply, they right, apply to they, everybody all the right, time. They apply to everybody all the time, and there's a million other things yeah. that apply to those phases. True. But, they, but the midlife crisis one does slide in there. Like, I mean... That's that's the thing about this uh, midlife crisis. Like, the more I think about it, you, you, and you didn't. By the way, you didn't ask the question whether you you thought you'd already have one. You you just said you're always having one. But um, the more I think about this, I, no, I don't. I, okay, so to answer your question, I don't think I have had what I would consider an according to Hoyle midlife crisis yet. All right. Uh, do you think you're going to have one, or do you think no? I don't know. My whole life is so fraught. Like I'm so freaked out about everything all the time. It's hard to predict. But yeah, I imagine I'll have one. I mean, okay, so let's, let's talk about what if it's not on your calendar, it's not real, Marilyn. Well, that's true. But I mean, like, <laughs> so this is the problem, though, is that like midlife crisis. Yes, I think historically it has been something that's been used to describe men, especially uh, after the age of 40, maybe when they're becoming slightly less virile, maybe when they're losing their hair, maybe when they're getting a paunch, the kids are growing up, they, they feel underappreciated. And they feel like they haven't gotten to do the things that they wanted to do. So they have an affair. They get a sports car. They get a weave. These are all cliches. But like, doesn't that does that have some grounding in reality? Is like at some point, men in particular seem to want some kind of a a do over or significant personal transformation or the acquisition of signifiers of success beyond what they've ever chosen to invest in before. So the before I get to the 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 men angle of this the the more i think about this and the more i've looked at it in these notes the past many months here it seems like a uh, uh an idea or like a thing that doesn't apply as much uh to modern life as it used to because i mean it's right there and there like midlife crisis the idea that there is an arc that there is a, a fairly you know you go to school get married you have kids, you get a job, also, you, you, have, you do all those things when you're you, young. You have, That's you, have the a, thing. you have a career and like, this is an arc. And that at some point the midlife crisis is I've been traveling along this ladder, doing these things. And usually this is the midlife crisis at some point where you're, you're going through your career. You're, you, you've started your career. You're already well into your career. It's not like you're, you're not, looking to change careers, like whatever, like that's, that could be precipitated by the midlife crisis or, you know, like that's, that's part of it. But it's like, I've been in this, you know, I did all the things I got married. I have the kids, I have the house, I have the job. I've been in the job for, you know, 10, 15 years. And then you look it up one day and you say, is this, is this it? 
Like, yeah, is that all there is? Right, exactly. And and I've been I'm in the same stupid job, and I've got this family and these kids, and we are settled into a routine. And that whole that stagnation thing, whatever you said before, like stagnation versus like growth or whatever, only is a factor if there's this gentle stereotypical arc with stability. It's I, it's hard to have a midlife crisis if, if by the time you're 40, you're on your eighth job, right? Because you right. never got to the point where, you know, stagnation is a privilege just in some respects. Like, we kill for stagnation. We're like, oh, this job and this pension and this house and everything is just boring. Lucky you, boring. You're not worrying about paying your bills on time. You're not worried about if your job's going to be gone. Like, you're just looking you're around You're not worried saying, about your health. You're not worried about your health. And, right, and right. Like or whether death. you're going to pay for, you know, like, it's just... And so... In this age when people do change jobs more often and travel more than they used to, you know, farther from their home and farther from their family, like it's actually, I feel like, harder to get to the point where you're so bored and dissatisfied instead of looking around and saying, and you can still feel like you haven't achieved what you wanted to achieve. But mm-hmm. as you were saying before, if your life constantly feels fraught, like even though things are, you know, even on paper, things are just perfectly fine because there's this uncertainty, like there's no, you don't have the security of the pension, right? You're not, you know, you're, you have so many more more sort of existential things to worry about. How, how am I ever going to pay for retirement? How am I ever going to pay for my kid's education? Will I have right. a job next week? Like even people, in, you know, into their 40s and 50s who have been working for 25 years still have these same thoughts as if they just got out of college and are worried how they're going to, you know, pay their rent or whatever. Yeah. I, I mean, someone had a blog uh, years ago, maybe it's still there, called Quarter Life Crisis. The idea was like every every stage of my life, like you were saying, is a crisis, like graduating and figuring out if I'm going to go to college. That's a crisis. Graduating college and figuring out if I can get a job. That's a crisis. Figuring out can I can I afford to get married because weddings cost so much. There's a cri- like there is no point in which, uh, you know, the, it is all positive and stepping stones and making progress. And like it's always just a, it's just a series of battles. And when you get out the side of one of them, it's not as if like it's like it's not like you're stepping up a set of stairs or each step up up and getting better and better and better. And then the midlife crisis is just when the stairway stops going and you and you walk level for a while. It's always like a series of hurdles where you stay on the same level the whole time. You just have to jump over these hurdles and you get increasingly tired as time goes on. Yeah. And also, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking though, that's a really good point. Um, privilege is probably a little too strong of a word, but not too, too strong. I think about though, again, like people in my family who had union jobs with a pension and social security that was going to be pretty much, you know, guaranteed and all those kinds of things that they could sort of mostly count on. I mean, you can't, can't ever really count on everything, but like, you know, there's a movie that people liked a lot at the time that has not aged well, uh, American Beauty. That not that kind of a canonical example of a midlife crisis movie in some ways? And I, but it bears a lot of the marks of what we're talking about. It's actually not a very good movie, but it bears those marks of being like, there's this, in this in particular, a guy, and I want to get to your girl stuff here, but there's a guy who's been like, you know, steady Eddie for 25 years, you know, with the same woman, with the same kids, with the same jobs. And like the the one common theme through a lot of these is I think, and I I think this is one part that is a little bit future proof, which is the dawning realization that there are fewer opportunities for all sorts of things than there used to be in your life. I, I think that's common to everybody a lot of the time. But it hits you in a really significant way. I think really probably starting in your 40s for some people in their 30s. You know what I mean? That sense of like, like as I sit here today, I don't know if I'm ever going to go to Paris, France, which is something that I used to think about. 
or, <laughs> you know, or whatever. You know what I mean? Or that I, hell, I'm probably never going to become particularly proficient at Spanish. There's, and those are all really small, dumb things. But like once you open your mind to that, it becomes a little bit of like a floodgate opening. And I think that that is very much irrespective of gender. It's just that that's the ones that have been highlighted in it, whether it's like a seven-year itch thing or whatever. But there does seem to be this like this thread historically of company man coming a little bit unglued and and wanting to sow wild oats one last time or to maybe try and reclaim some self or generate some self-image that is not possible with the life that they've lived up till now. Yeah, the thing that still probably applies is despite all the jumping over hurdles and everything, if at some point you're able to get your feet under you, like that you you feel like you have like the, the sense of just, you know, be dangling over bottomless pit disappears and you feel like, okay, I've got a lot of savings. Um, I've done the important things that I thought I needed to do and like raise my children up to an age where they don't need me every second of the day. Uh, married, uh, have a house, uh, I'm saving for retirement. Like you can still end up getting your feet under you. And that is a time when you, when you start to think about what have I done? What did I think I would want to do? And what am I never going to do? Because now it's too late or I'm too old or, you know, and it can be much worse if you look at your, your children or your spouse and go, that didn't turn out the way I wanted. Right. <laughs> like that's, that's, I mean, you get, the midlife crisis, the whole idea of like, oh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm going to get a red sports car and cheat on my wife and everything. Like, depending on what it is that you are dissatisfied with, that you know, you could just be dissatisfied with yourself. Like, oh, I haven't achieved what I thought I could achieve. But you could be dissatisfied with everything, and your dissatisfaction with yourself yeah. can be redirected and turned into dissatisfaction with your your family, even if it's not right. So that's that's I think that's the more stereotypical one where a man is uh, dissatisfied with his level of achievement. And so decides that the real problem is that he uh, needs a, you know, needs to have an affair. Like it's nothing to do with his wife. Well, I, it, it could be that he needs to have an affair, but like I, I am utterly projecting when I say this because I am aware that this is something that I do that I really dislike in myself is this feeling of uh, I don't get as much gratitude as I should get. I'm aware of that in myself and I don't <laughs> like it. I don't, I don't think I'm so you much don't get like the that. the respect way. you deserve like Brady? Well, um, I, I catch myself if I've had, uh, had a long day and at some point in the afternoon, I'll find myself thinking, moom, moom. And so I think a common theme through a lot of these, I don't know if you have to like have to have an affair, but like what another common theme is what I am owed or what I owe to myself, whether or not that's a particularly rational or smart thing to do. Like I'm, the world owes me a sports car. Like I'll I'll take out a loan. You are an only child, so you got that going for you. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I I feel like one one thing I should say is like you know who knows. I I'm worried about it every morning, you know. So I and and like I say, like right now I've got a little kid who's been texting me on a plane for hours about how how excited she is to see me. Uh, in five years, that's not going to be that same way. So who knows how I'll feel? But I I don't feel immune to it. But I don't feel like it's. I don't feel like I have a lot of the usual symptoms. Yeah. So for the men angle, I mean, the, you, the, the stereotype we've going is mostly from the 80s when it was a, a very common thing seen in TV shows and movies where like the, the man, uh, you know, 40 was the magic age four zero, uh, even though, you know, now that people are living longer, 50, as we know, is the new 40. He would, you know, basically be be dissatisfied with some aspect of himself and redirect that into convincing himself that he's actually dissatisfied with external things. And he would get the red sports car and start, you know, quit his stuffy job and 
uh, find a, you know, a younger new girlfriend and do, do all these things. Um, and that was sometimes played for laughs, sometimes played for tragedy. Uh, but it was, really, so it was really off, but, but more often than not definitely played for like utter lack of self-awareness. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. And, you know, depending on the thing, like the, the women would just roll their eyes at it. But, but of course, women have the same potential dissatisfaction, in fact, probably more so and probably earlier uh, because if they're confined to, the, you know, the happy homemaker and that's not what they ever wanted, mm-hmm. their their crisis is going to happen like, you know, the, in the first year after they're just married, as opposed to waiting until they're 40, because they have no job to make progress in to extend their illusion of going up a stair step until they turn 40 right so but because we don't tell the stories of women for the most of the time the story is all about how the man is the man expects to achieve and the man hasn't achieved and he's upset and then he goes out and it's more fun to see the man cheat on his wife because who wants to see a wife cheat on the husband because that's terrible but the man cheating on the wife that's fun right and so Mm -hmm. that's all that's that's, playful that's why Mm -hmm. that's why the the cliche and stereotype of midlife crisis you envision a man not because women don't have them but because only men's stories are worth telling and the women's stories are just sad and depressing men's stories, red sports car and cheating on your wife. That's great. Everybody's all smiles, right? Everybody. And that's just the, you know, that that's where that comes from. Um, and I'm sure it applies equally to women. And it's like I said, if not more so because they, their, their lot in life, if confined to these extremely rigid gender roles is potentially worse than, uh, than men's. And so I, I would imagine their crises are, deeper and sooner but with the arc of people's lives being a lot more bumpy uh even in the best even in the best case because like again in in the worst cases it was always bumpy for everybody and it's just there was this class of people where you followed this nice little pale trail and you did all these things achievements in order and you would eventually get to like this this plateau right and right. other people other people during the same era would kill to get to a plateau that they're just like bumping along you know uh, on the bottom but now i feel like there's fewer and fewer people who have that nice arc. Uh, and in fact, it almost, sometimes it almost seems like that arc is uh, very rare at the main instance of people who are born on top of the plateau. Like they never have to climb up anywhere. They're just born on the plateau and they cause maybe they have uh, midlife crises even earlier. Or maybe they just, you know, never, uh, you know, think about themselves that much. But yeah, for, for me, I don't, I think I've had a series of midlife crises starting in mm-hmm. my 30s. Uh, because that's, I feel like when, uh, when I started to think about all the things that I'm not going to achieve. Right. But I feel lucky that a, that I got my feet under me soon enough to start those crises. Right. That I could mm-hmm. say like, Oh, now I feel like I'm going to make rent every month. So now it's time to look back at my life and realize all the things I'm not going to do and be all the non-achievement related aspects of my life like we're good like in my family and all that stuff is good health everybody's good like i like i had the luxury to think about oh but everything is fine except what if you know you're never going to do this not not i don't have an equivalent of paris or whatever but like yeah and so because they're they're small and because i have perspective about them i tend not to dwell on it and i don't see that there being any big one lurking out on my distance unless something catastrophic happens because that can induce one of these things like obviously if something terrible happens you could find yourself spiraling downwards but if things continue i don't think i will be troubled by this other than sort of the baseline level of you know self-doubt and neuroses and everything that that comes along with me this episode of reconcilable differences is brought to you in part by mac weldon 
You can learn more about Mac Weldon right now by visiting MacWeldon.com, M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Mac Weldon makes the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you will ever wear. Frankly, this is a fact, Mac Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now. I'm snapping three times in a triangle to underscore this. They're so confident in this, they have a no questions asked return policy. Mac Weldon are sure that you're going to be super comfortable in whatever you buy, but if for any reason you don't like your first pair of whatever you buy, just keep them. They'll refund you the money. No questions asked. Nobody wants used underpants. By pairing premium fabrics, meticulous attention to detail, and a very simple shopping experience, Mac Weldon delivers a new level of daily comfort straight to your door. Mac Weldon makes undershirts that stay tucked in. Oh, buddy, did they stuck. Yeah, so good. So tucked. Socks that stay up. Yep, looking down. Waistbands that don't roll. No rolling here. Not with Mack Weldon. Everything they make is made with premium cotton blended with natural fibers. Their website is built to get you in and out as quickly as possible. They do not waste your time. Here's the deal. When we first got Mack Weldon as a sponsor, they sent me some stuff and I tried it out and I liked it. But you know what I discovered? I'm not even a big Mack Weldon underwear guy. I have some. I enjoy them. But they have other stuff that I really literally wear every day. I'm, I'm so not kidding you. It's gross how much money I've spent on this company. I am very fond of their Pima long sleeve t-shirt. I own, I believe, six of those. They have a wonderful long tail white undershirt. That thing will not come untucked no matter how much you wail around. And they got these really sweet hoodies with the, probably the longest drawstrings I've ever seen on a hoodie. They're very accommodating. Mack Weldon also have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial. That means they eliminate odor. Uh, this is all some cool science stuff, to be sure. But not only do they have underwear, socks, and shirts that look good, they perform well too. Good for working out, going to work, traveling, or just for everyday life. That is my life. My life is everyday life, and I live in Mack Weldon. They're just going to have to run with that. And right now, listeners of this show can get 20% off at Mack Weldon. You just need to use that very special offer code DIFFS. That's D-I-F-F-S. Seriously, go and get this stuff. You know, it's, it's the best. It costs a little more, but man. I live in this stuff. I just love it to death. I love Mac Weldon. I personally will underwrite this. Uh, thanks to Mac Weldon for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. So you've had a miniature, uh, many mature <laughs> uh, midlife crisis. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I hope there's not one lurking out there. Like a big one, like a stereotypical one, but I don't think so. Not for me, anyway. Well, I'll tell you, man. I um, you uh have uh, helped the scales fall from my eyes. I've rarely thought about the whole like women's midlife crisis, uh, and all most of the reasons I feel that way are probably just residual mm, sexism. Uh, yeah, def- it's like, oh, women aren't expected to achieve anything. No, and that's, what do no, they have to be dissatisfied stop, about? Stop, You don't get to and just run with this. They, wouldn't, they no. would never feel like they need to cheat no, on their spouse not- to enliven their life. <sighs> no, no. I'm not saying that's why you, I'm just saying like that's that's why well, the A listener the could, inf- could uh, infer that that's what you meant. No, I, I meant maybe that's part of it, but it's just more that it's been sold, that term has been sold as a thing that happens to relatively successful white dudes in their 40s and higher. We were um, driving to the Peter Pan in uh, Providence, and uh, we were at a light. You should have seen this guy in the next car. Oh, my God. Red Corvette. Crazy, crazy hair thing going on. 
pumping up the classic rock at the light. He was punching uh, his right fist into his left palm to the beat of the music at the stoplight. And he, he just looked like he was about to blow. I, 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 if his carotid artery had just blown open at the red light, it would not have surprised me. He could have just been having a good time, man. I know, man. I'm not here to yuck on a yum. But no, you know what it is? And here's where it is sexism, is that many of the women I know and know of would just be like, mama don't take no mess. I ain't got time for that junk. Like, I got stuff I got to do. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't have, I don't have time to have a midlife crisis. I don't have time for uh, that much self-reflection and uh, feeling sorry for yourself. Kind of. Yeah, to be honest. To be honest, I mean, yes. Yes. But also just the, and the part that is definitely sexist is that that is a, it feels like an artifact of the 60s, 70s, 80s, for sure, to me. But I'm very interested, I'm, I'm interested in your point about that. Like somebody, somebody who has to take, you know, two buses a day to get to their job, male, female, or otherwise, yeah, they don't, they don't, that may not be something that they can contemplate. So I'm more, I'm more concerned maybe for both of us yeah. for not midlife crisis, but another stereotype, the nervous breakdown. That seems like something. Could I, could, I could, I could totally have that. I, Cause I, I feel like there's a steady ramp up in my life of how overwhelmed I feel, mm-hmm. which is not, not a match for like, it was again, I got my feet under me. I'm on a plateau, like blah, blah, everything is uh, on paper fine, but the, like the number, the number of things I worry about and am responsible for continues to crank up so that that feeling of like uh, potentially feeling overwhelmed has grown with age uh according to the science internet it says uh, a mental breakdown also known as a nervous breakdown is an acute time-limited mental disorder that manifests primarily as severe stress-induced depression anxiety or disassociate or dissociation in a previously functional individual to the extent that they are no longer able to function on a day-to-day basis until the disorder is resolved I mean, I think about like my de minimis amount of mostly self-induced stress. And probably in your case, if you were honest, you probably induce a lot of your own stress, I'm guessing. Just because of how you are, how, how we are, different people. But like, okay, for myself, like I bring a lot of that on myself. But I know that like, you know, I, I, the fears that dare not speak their name. Like if, if I feel like if four or five of the giant things I worry about all the time happened in the same week, I have no idea how I would cope with that. I feel like I would probably just shut down. I mean, I might be real efficient for an hour, but like, I don't know. I don't know. I see. I don't even want to talk about it. It's, it's magical thinking. Yeah. But, but that's like, but that's like a external things happening to you. My manifestation for me is, uh, being, being responsible for more and more things. Like the number of things that you respond, obviously having a kid is the big, like you're, you know, getting married and having a kid, two big additional responsibilities. Now there's another person. You're not flying solo. There's another person who you're partly responsible for, right? And then child is, is a whole new, brand new person who you're entirely responsible for keeping alive, like at least in the beginning. But then on top of that, job stuff and mm-hmm. everything else. Like if you're in a job and you're on that, some sort of path where your responsibilities, your job, you start off, you don't have a lot of responsibilities, your job. And if you're in that same job for a long time, you have more and more responsibilities, even though you may be at your job the same amount of time, or maybe not, maybe your hours are increasing. You're responsible for more things. So you have more things to worry about that's what people you know more more job stress are you doing more things than and, you and, it's, and it's not and it's not like you're shedding old ones right and are you doing more things than you were before like the kids have more activities even though they're not infants. are you having more kids so that these kids just keep coming right 
and that is more responsibility and more things that you have to do and more places that you have to be, uh, you know, more people depending on you to do certain things. And, you know, it just it adds up. And I feel like that amount of stuff has been steadily increasing. I do have more responsibility in my job that, uh, than I used to. I do have more kids than I used to. I do more podcasts than I used to. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. I've cut out some of the other things, but like I look at the things I, you know, I look at my calendar now versus my calendar 10, 15 years ago. And it's a huge difference in the, just the amount of stuff that I'm doing. And so it's more, more stuff to worry about. And so I do worry about like, can this continue unabated? Like, you know, is there, is there some kind of limit that I'm creeping up on? Um, in which case, one of these things will have to go or a bunch of these things will have to go and I'll have to simplify my life in some way. I don't know. I mean, thus far, it's just been like every time you think you can't handle more, actually you can. And so just keep going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that works for people who who like like you and like me occasionally catastrophize and worry yes. about like uh, the worst possible things that could happen. But sometimes it's, you, you learn from from the past, like actually you can handle more than you think you can. So just keep going and you'll be fine. But yeah, that, I feel like that's that's maybe one of the things keeping me from having a midlife crisis. I, I even, you know, I don't feel like I, I'm like bored and like have nothing to do. And I'm just coasting through my now easy life because I've worked so hard to make it easy. Right. And like if I've been lucky enough to be in a position where now I just don't have anything to worry about except for my lack of achievement. And I've, I'm too stressed for that most of the time. Mm-hmm. And so you're worried you're worried about like uh, terrible things happening and then. Like, can you deal with them? Like, would you, you know, like you said, one one bad thing, you can deal with, you know, two or three bad things. Like, can can you deal oh, with Oh, I can't even, I can't, because of the way my mind works, I can't even go into this. But, like, I I, I worry that I, I worry that I would snap uh, for whatever reason. You, you worry that you would, like, flee? Like, you would leave the country? Mm, I don't think so. I don't think so. But, you know, it's... It become non-functional, and then you'd just be another thing for people to have to take care of instead of being a part of the solution? Well, I mean, it's not... I haven't read Kierkegaard in years, but it's not like so different in some ways from, well, it's more Christian philosophy, but like the sickness unto death and this, this idea that like, um, it's this kind of, I haven't read this in years, but kind of existential tenet of like, I, I feel like I'm going to be, and I'm not saying this is for me, but like, there's this one idea of like, you know, will I become consumed, uh, by my despair? I think was the word he used. And like, but the existential fact of life is that the the tragedy is you won't be consumed by that despair, that like you will continue to have that. And of course, Kierkegaard says the way out of that is to have a relationship, personal relationship with Jesus. But I mean, I think that's still, it's still this feeling of the one thing that, what is catastrophization? At the heart of it, the, the simple version of catastrophization is you blow things out of proportion and you take something that is a small problem or a non-existent problem and you blow it up into something much bigger than it either is or isn't, <laughs> right? But I think the important second part, because, you know, if that was about like, oh, my ice cream's going to fall off the cone, you could probably deal. I think the part that becomes an anxious undertaking is this idea of like, oh, and then how would I handle that? If this thing that I can hardly even stand to imagine were to happen, like how would I deal with that? And can I imagine myself ever even really dealing with that and the consequences of that? That's interesting. I, I, I tend not to get to the part where I'm worried about how I would deal with it. I spent all of my time extrapolating like the worst possible thing that could happen. We, you're also at a very expert 
uh, risk mitigator. Like you are a very, it strikes me that a big part of your personality is identifying and mitigating risk and yet never really having much relief that that mitigation will have any staying power or usefulness. Well, well, like I think it's again, like the different, when you say catastrophizing, when I say, I think like when I'm doing it, I'm like, you know, I'm going to go for a walk. What's the worst thing that could possibly happen on this walk? Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, you know, well, I could be hit by a car and killed, but actually it'd be worse if I was hit by a car, but not killed, but like maimed. And like I was a vegetable and I was a burden to my family, but I was still, but I was still alive inside the brain and I could hear and everything, but I couldn't control. Like that's catastrophizing from my Pretty perspective. Pretty soon you're in a Metallica like, video. Yeah, exactly. Right. Whereas you're saying, okay, here are some, uh, I, not going to such ridiculous ends to say what's the worst thing that could happen if you go on a walk, but thinking if something not ridiculous happens on the walk, how would I handle it? Like can can am I am I up to the job of handling this difficult thing, this not ridiculous difficult thing, but this plausible difficult, like how you know like wor- worrying about secondary effects in your reaction rather than rather than just spinning out the scenarios of this terrible thing and never seeing never seeing past the terrible thing. Well, yeah, and I mean, I think for a lot of people, for some people anyway, that comes down to what I would the superset of what I would call bodily and perhaps mental, but especially like physical integrity. Right. So like, I don't, I don't want to become a quadriplegic, right? There are, there's, there are people who are phobic, for example, about certain kinds of things because there's this physical thing. For me, it's more psychological. It's more the, the sort of like kind of Buddhist idea of like, could I tolerate um, the loss of ego and, and self? Do you know what I mean? Like if this goes horribly wrong and I'm proven to be the person who I, who I, I'm not the person who I think I am. Like, how would I handle that? And that's, that, that to me, that's where I look into the abyss. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com. And when you go there, please enter the offer code DIFFS at checkout. That'll get you 10% off your first purchase. Friends, Make your next move with Squarespace because Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next big idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and so much more. Maybe you want to create an online store, a portfolio, or a blog. Well, Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There is nothing to install, no patches to worry about, and no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Squarespace has got you covered. They have award-winning 24 by 7 customer support if you ever need help. And they let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. You're going to want that for your big idea. All of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed, help you show off your great ideas. They're responsively designed, which means they look great on any kind of device or dingus. I've been using Squarespace for years and years. I love them to death. I would not be able to do the Roderick on the Line podcast if it weren't for Squarespace. I probably could, but I wouldn't want to. Because Squarespace makes it so easy for me to host the entire podcast, all of the show art, all of the show notes, all of that is on Squarespace. Thank you, Squarespace. Here's the crazy part. Squarespace plans start at just $12 per month, but you can go right now and start a trial with no credit card required. You just go to squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up, please do use the offer code DIFFS at checkout. That's going to get you 10% off your first purchase. And yeah, it's going to show your support for Reconcilable Differences. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. I hadn't thought about that. We should change our, we should exchange neuroses for a week and then try 
the other person's on. We'll do like a Freaky Friday. I would be totally into that. Yeah. We'd be so good at being each other. Oh my God. I would so love to hang out with your family. I would be so good at being a father in your family. Well, you know, okay, okay, before you laugh, remember, remember, like in high school, especially Mm -hmm. in high school and junior high, you go over to your friend's house. You're like, oh my God, your parents are so cool. You get store brand pop and you have a big TV and they're like, Mm -hmm. ah, Mm -hmm. don't even, how can you even say that? My parents are the worst. And then they come over to your house and like, oh man, you're, you know, it's uh, your mom is uh, so she's so cool and she makes macaroni and cheese and you're like ah you have no idea mm, that yeah, but then it's a you monster. go over to some people's houses and the parents suck and you're like oh yeah it smells like smoke <laughs> 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 yeah I used to be really put off by the uh, other people's house smells you know yeah <laughs> if you if we if you had to be me for a week, remember you'd have to go back to like a corporate job, and I think that would kill you more more than any of the. How long stuff. do I have to do it for a week? For a week, and I, I got to do drop offs. Um, you get a you get a nine to five job. With, no, no, you no, know, I'm getting like, there. I'm getting there. I'm just with, trying to work through with, this. I'm trying Dave, to see if we could. The, well, you know, I was texting. Cup. I don't know if your wife told you I was texting with your wife yesterday. So mm-hmm. you know, we talked about things. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'm just saying, maybe we get some buy in on this. So let me see, let me see what I'm in for. I got to do, I got to do drop-offs. I got to do lunch sometimes, probably. I got to, I got to take care of Daisy. And then I got to go, uh, be, uh, not quite a manager, uh, and a computer programmer. Yeah. Sometimes you got to do pickups. You also got to cook the dinners and mm-hmm. wife's going to be out of town for gotta, the week, Got to start the sauce. So now, come on, let me start easy. Week, so let me start do. easy. <laughs> I bet you'd be really good in my house. You're very loving. I, I, people, the, our listeners would not believe that, but I can tell that you're a very loving person. I, here's what I do. Day one in the house, I get rid of the office, save the family some money. Everybody loves me. Day two, mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe I'll take a bath, watch some TV. Oh, you can make uh, some Zatarans? That's right. <laughs> Day three, fix the water damage caused by the, <laughs> the flooding. <laughs> Anything I could do to pass the legacy of my mistakes on John Syracuse. What a gift. Oh my gosh, what a freaky Friday that would well, be. The, the real gift is that it's too bad no one in your family listens to the show because they would learn yeah. that, hey, while we were gone. It's not while they were gone. It's, they just weren't in the house. Little... It's not during the vacation. All right, all right. What's the worst thing that happened during the vacation? Not much. I've been but, but, really but then, good. But then you said you haven't told them about it, but how would they not know? I mean, it's not, it's not a huge deal, you know? But, but like they weren't, they weren't home and they came home and like you would hastily cleaned everything up and they didn't notice it was a little damper? No, no. No. Mm-mm. No, I had towels. It doesn't happen all the time. <laughs> this is the, you realize this is our uh, tiny equivalent of me scolding Casey about having his cup on the same level as his computer, right? Yeah. You realize that's what you've done. Yeah, but that was his wife's computer. He had to say something. No, no, no. I'm just saying like the whole idea of like we have some silly conversation mm-hmm. uh, about something and then like oh, the right. next week it's like that thing that I warned you about actually ended up happening. How do you perceive your role in that? Did you, did you cause I, I, I'm that? Worried, you, I'm worried. I'm worried if you, if you are, if you handled it, like, because oh, this, is, oh. this is a catastrophe. How did you, how did you handle it? Apparently you handled where, where it. Is, okay. Where does the moisture go? Uh, no, but I'm saying like you were <laughs> like, it's a catastrophe, but it's not so much the catastrophe that you're worried about. It's like, how do you handle it? I mean, you feel like you were able to retain your sense of self while mopping up water. Yeah, emergencies the, can the be very centering though for somebody with ADD. Yeah. It's going to be very, very centering. You got a, you got a task. You got a thing to do. Oh, now you got one thing to worry about. It's a relief. It's a huge relief. Mm-hmm. Oh, when somebody's see, in the hospital, have... oh my god, I get a holiday. I get a holiday from my see, head for a minute. See, you can have fewer things to worry about if you don't try to do things while you run your bath. You know what? That's that's pretty good. I don't think we, we <laughs> mean that even put on a bumper sticker, but. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. 
you know, this didn't happen as much when we had the old water heater. Just now that we got this baller water heater. Now you're, you're mad with power. You have so much hot water. You're just looking for things to do with hot water. You're going to deliver a baby at the same time. <laughs> Alexander so wept. You know what I'm saying? Get so much hot water. <laughs> I can afford to have it run for 15 minutes. <sighs> Was that, was that the, was that, I was thinking you would hear a drippy sound, that little high pitched drippy sound that like you go, oh no. Oh no, no, I can't even do it unless I did like a tube and throat singing thing. It's the sound of the thunderous hot water entering the full sink, the full sink coming over. But then remember. So it's the water pressure. It's the, it's the, it's like shooting a hose into the surface of a pond. Like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. But then it's also, it's also, it's also soapy. So it's got a slight sizzle to it. Ah, all right. I was thinking you hear the, like the, the dripping water, like the sound you never want to no, hear. No, it was a little bit home. like a Zen garden kind of thing. Yeah. But that's all, that's <laughs> all squared away now. I just need to hang up the towels. I'll do that tomorrow. So to, to be clear, again, to be clear, yeah. you didn't talk to your family about this, but they know that, that you flooded the kitchen? Oh, I just, I haven't told them about it. So they don't know you flooded the kitchen. Well, they so probably will now. if one of them were to listen to this podcast, they would say, they don't they listen to this podcast, say, John. I didn't know you flooded the kitchen. You go, yeah. It flooded didn't the flood the kitchen. It ran over a little bit and I dealt with it. It was running for 15 minutes. Yeah, but I mean, it's an old house, you know? <laughs> so the water just goes out through the, the five spare specific that. drain <laughs> holes. 15, 15. <laughs> Is it five or 15? Now I'm losing it. <laughs> How many draining holes were there? I need to know. I'll look it up. Dra- draining holes that sound like other draining holes. I haven't had a dream about her in a long time. Who was it? Was that, uh, was that ScarJo? ScarJo. ScarJo. Uh-huh. All the rage was the Scarlett Johansson branded protective helmet. It's a colorful helmet. It is a planner with 11 specific draining holes. 11? 11? I was a 5 or 15. I don't know and, why I'm And going it's there. an important crucible for ideas. Mm-hmm. We yeah. met at a media event held at a junior high. Scarlett was polite but perfunctory. Then there was a very small hotel room with glass walls and doors. She didn't give you the respect you deserve. She, she's a professional actress, John. Stocked with herbal bourbons. Ice machine didn't work. <laughs> Scarlett said, no way am I drinking that shit. She was serious and smart. Might be Las Vegas. The rural juror drinks herbal bourbons. Herbal bourbons. Rural juror. I think I asked you this before, but are herbal bourbons an actual thing? I don't think so. I'm going to Google it. No, no, it's just in the dream. There was a box. Someone someone in Portland is making it. There was also a box in the the center of the screen. Yeah. Herbal bourbons. (laughs) Okay. That's pretty good. Herbal bourbons. (laughs) <laughs> uh yeah the question we ask i don't do we ever get to this on the show god that, that, that the special episode it's fun but it was a little bit of a shambles i mean the question i'm always thinking is and this is i don't know just the way my brain works is it isn't so much like have you had this will you have this i'm always interested in that question of like how will you know when this has been happening yeah that's that's the thing with the stereotypical one is that the person in the midst of it tends not to know and all of his friends or maybe his wife tell him you're right. having a midlife crisis and he says no i'm not as he drives away in his red Corvette with his uh, blonde mistress. Punching punching his left palm. Fugue Well, state. that guy just was down with the music. And you're, you're prejudiced against people in Corvettes. You're, you're prejudiced against bald white dentists in Corvettes. <laughs> la, la, la. A dissociative fugue, according to the Internet Science site, a dissociative fugue, formerly fugue state or psychogenic fugue, is a dissociative order. Again, with the dissociative disorders, we have to learn more about this. It is a rare psychiatric disorder characterized by reversible amnesia for personal identity including the memories, personality, and other identifying characteristics of individuality. Can last days, months. Go, please go look at the uh, 
Wikipedia page for Fugue State and check out the clip art. It's pretty sweet. So there's been a lot of not, not just the midlife crises. Like you did the IMDb search for that and stuff, stuff like Breaking Bad in it. But like I know this is more maybe more 90s. But like like Falling Down. Remember that Michael Douglas movie? It's already in show like notes. This, I just I just put it in show notes. <laughs> that's exactly yeah. that's that was I was going to ask you where does it go from. Uh, from just a uh, uh, yeah, I mean you've already nailed it, but it's funny. From the, from the silly, from the silly, even like in you know uh, National Lampoon's Vacation with the Christy Brinkley thing. Like, why is he looking at Christy? Because he's got the family, he's got the wife, he's yeah. forward them all. He's you know he's on the stupid family vacation, and Christy Brinkley shows up in a Ferrari, and it's like, hey, I re-, you know like that's the the goofy one, and then falling down is like I am I am leaving my body, and uh, you yeah. know just every every problem I have in my life is being expressed through this shotgun that I'm carrying around. Yeah, that movie was a, a weird one. I like that actor a lot. He also appears in the number 11 midlife crisis movie, which is The Game. Wait, what, why is this what, what is this counting? What is this sorted by? Uh, I think it's by popularity. Yeah, I was going to mention The Game, uh, which is obviously... I, I mm-hmm. mean, he, that is an induced crisis because mm-hmm. until... Or is it? Hmm? Yeah, it is. <laughs> he needed it. Sean Penn knew he needed it. He knew he needed it. Yeah, I know. But like, but otherwise, you would think of that if if it was not his birthday, and they just filmed the next few days of his life, it would be business as usual, which would have been bad as far as everyone else is concerned. But as far as he was concerned, he would continue to go along. Now he might have had a breakdown later. He just, he just wants to. He just wants to go watch Daniel Shore and be left alone. Yeah, <laughs> Daniel Shore on TV, a mouthful of marbles. I loved that guy. Okay. Sabrina. Wow. Oh my God. I haven't thought of that movie in a long time. Harrison Ford. Wait a minute. Hang on. Is this possible? Whoa. That was episode 17? January 14th, 2016. It's been that long since we I finally watched it and we talked about it? What? Episode 17, Don't Touch the Banana. Next up, we learn that Merlin has finally watched the game all the way through. Mm-hmm. Which leads to that. Wow, January back 2000. When you used to watch movies. That I was I back when I was Merlin Man. Look at all the rest of these. You got. Oh, uh, it was after that. We read a lot of James Thurber in our house. And Walter Mitty was not as much of a hit as some of his earlier stuff. Big Chill, City Slickers, Fried Green Tomatoes. 10. Oh, of course, 10. Super yep, yep. Man. There you go. Dudley Moore. Yep. Oh, a serious man. I like that actor a lot. Eight and a half. How are we not talking about eight and a half? That is such one of my favorite movies. Oh, I love that movie. Poison Ivy with Drew Barrymore. Ugh. About Schmidt. Uh, it's it's sad how many of sad, I don't know. It's it's inexplicable how many of these I've seen. Maybe it's just because like they made so many movies like this you couldn't avoid. Because you cable in the nineties, right? I mean cable in the nineties, yeah. you end up watching yeah. a lot of movies. I mean the flop house, man, th- those guys have seen so many movies because they had cable in the nineties, I'm pretty convinced. Mm-hmm. American Beauty, I saw that on a date in nineteen hundred and ninety nine, and I thought it was a so date. good. That's what I feel like. This is uh, before I, I think met. I was married then. This is before I met your mother. Sorry, I said hi. Mm-hmm. What is catastrophizing? Herbal bourbons, American Beauty, closing tabs, nervous breakdown. Did you look at the Fugue State guy? I didn't. Did you post a link to that somewhere? Oh, no. Just go Google uh, Fugue State and look at the Wikipedia article. It has it's called Fugue. F-U-G-U-E. 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 It's an unusual bit of Wikipedia art in that it is just an image. Oh, the guy, he's got his hand on his head. Head scratcher that ping. He doesn't look like he's in a fugue state. He just no, looks like he's confused. He's trying to remember his parked. pin number. <laughs> I went for parking. Pin number. That I know. Was, that was I'm for you. you. That was for you. I'm with you. I don't. I don't. I'm not bothered by that. Does it surprise you? I'm not bothered by that. Oh, I thought that was one that bothered you. No. What about pizza pie? Nope. 
There's nothing wrong. Wait, 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 what's wrong with pizza pie? Jumbo shrimp. What? Pizza pie. Doesn't pizza already mean pie? Military intelligence, am I right? Hmm? Mm-hmm. Pizza pie is fine. Is that a backronym, John? Is that what that is? If you said pie, it's undifferentiated. It could be an apple pie. That's a good point. Pizza pie is different than an apple pie. Finally got my family watching the great uh, British baking show. It took a while, but we're finally watching it. Oh, the old ones with the, what's her name, lady? With Mary, yeah. All right. Yeah, I watched a little bit of that if I decided it was not for me. Oh, that's what they said. They they actually literally laughed at me and made fun of me when I first tried to get them to watch it. They insisted it was just way too boring. I love it. I think it's gentle. It is. It is gentle. There's a big dust up. Because what's that guy's name? Uh, Johnny Millionaire? Johnny Millionaire. So basically, he got he got lured away from the BBC. And there's a big dust up now. Because Sue and Mary and everybody are staying with the BBC. And it's become a little bit of a uh, dust up. Someone said they saw the trailer for the new British baking show. And it was terrible. And it, it totally lost the spirit of the original. Hmm. Does it still have the Stig? Is that his name? More, it, worse than the, the fall of Top Gear. Worse. <laughs> that really broke Casey's heart, didn't it? it seems like he's taking that yeah, harder yeah. than anybody. Nothing lasts forever. Yeah, nothing gold stays, Pony Boy. I was going for November rain. I was hoping you were following me. Oh, but you went the other yeah. Way. Yeah, we covered that on You Look Nice today one time. That was a funny show. He had a bad day. That was a really <laughs> bad day. Diving into, diving into the wedding cake, I remember. <laughs> that was a really, really bad day. <laughs> That's an REM song, but it's a later REM, so you don't know it. It's a very, very, very small church. Unless you're inside, it's like a TARDIS church. As as uh, Slash gets older, yeah. will he get lower and lower to the ground while he plays guitar? <laughs> Eventually, he'll he'll be able to limbo under like a limbo pole while playing his double neck guitar. I'm gonna tell you a secret about myself. I like that song. I think there are at least two or three parts to that song that are stellar yeah, wait, there's like nine parts of those like, i know isn't there like a piano thing in the middle it's of got it? all the parts it's got all the parts it's the part where they're on stage at one point in the video but i think that that um that kind of uh walk down desultory guitar riff part like near t- toward the end like in the last third i think it's that i love that part oh it's good yeah, it's it's a, a kind of it might be a pinnacle of a certain form. Yes, right? it like is bombastic, most, most, a little bombastic. The most overblown, the most ridiculous parts, the most ridiculous video, like all yeah. just yeah, 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 yeah. And Stephanie Seymour, w- weren't they boyfriend oh, yeah. girlfriend you, at the time? What do you call that? Is that a power ballad? What do you call this type of song? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I was watching a video last night. I was watching a video last night about um, Good Vibrations, and this guy was breaking it down into the parts and how there's like nine different like parts mm-hmm. in Good Vibrations. I think that's a similar thing. That's more like, I think that's closer to like a Good Vibrations or a Bohemian Rhapsody in that it's got more, more of movements, I would call it. Well, I was even narrowing it down more than like putting it in the same category as Bohemian Rhapsody to saying like that kind of uh, gentle pop rock, not quite metal, and they're, they're like... Feel, feeling songs with mm-hmm. uh, gratuitous instrumentals, right? Yeah. So it's not it's not a straight up ballad. It's like an epic ballad. Like it almost seems like it was a song that was made for the video instead of the other way around. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, a lot of power ballads that I I, I think of uh, from especially from the eighties and nineties, definitely mid tempo, heavy arrangement songs about loss, but they're pretty consistently yeah, exactly. hooky. Like S- Sister Christian, like what are you thinking here? I don't think that's like something like like, like a white snake or uh, or like poison or something like that. Like the specific songs. Yeah. Which one is Sister, Sister Christian White Snake? 
No, no, Night Ranger. Night Ranger, sorry. Your motor in? What's your price for flight? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's Night Ranger. I saw them live on my 18th birthday uh, with Starship uh, on the night that I could have seen R.E.M. with the DBs opening for them. Mm, yeah, I think you got a more of an authentic period experience with the one you went to. They, they opened with, we built this city and they rose out of the floor. Need deep in the hoopla. Who did? Starship. Oh, I was like, that's not a Night Ranger song. I've seen Night Ranger two or three times. I saw them on my birthday. I saw them at grad night, and I might have seen them one more time. I think you're over, you're over your quota there. That's, that's I think too I'm, much. You think I'm good? I'm good for Night Ranger? Yeah. Also, you got what? Is This Love by Whitesnake? I would put in there. What's that? What's that one? There's a guy. Every rose has thorn. I would call that a power ballad. Mm-hmm. What's mm-hmm. what's the one everybody used to play on piano? while I'm singing. You got to get closer to the notes. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I speaking of closer to the notes. There was a YouTube video about perfect pitch that I saw. That was, you know, if you want to if you want to hate people with perfect pitch, just watch it. Uh, you might want to check out. I don't know if you like it. I really like the series by this guy Adam Neely who's a bassist and music theoretician guy. And like, he's one of those high, he's kind of like a nerd writer in that like, he's very high volume, but I really like his videos. He did one, his most, I think his most recent one is on synesthesia. And in particular, the different varieties, the kind of synesthesia that he has and the different varieties and like what it means to be somebody who like thinks notes have colors and how that shifts. And Mm -hmm. it's totally fascinating. The perfect pitch one, the one thing I learned from the perfect pitch one is, uh, that it can be uh, not instrument specific, but instrument centric, because hmm. it's a thing that's thing that's learned when you're young, and it's usually learned in association with an instrument. And because also, if you play piano as a kid, that might be your perfect pitch instrument, right? And because the notes that are from any instrument aren't just that note, but they have all sorts of other timbres, harmonics, and stuff mixed mm-hmm. in, that that's what your brain keys in on. So you're really good at piano, but can't do like. Uh, string instruments or like pure sine waves or, or, or have much more difficulty with them. Like you can do them, but it's much harder. Whereas the piano, you know, instantly. And, I, and when I see the perfect pitch, well, I think about the synesthesia ones of like, in the same way that you have no trouble, if you're not colorblind, telling red from green, them telling two notes from each other is just as easy. And it's not like this magic skill. It's just like, right, right, right. That's red and that's green. I don't it's have kinda, to think it about it. It's kind of pattern and matching. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's well, weird with me and, because. And if, you, and if you show me red in isolation, I'm like, I can't tell what that is unless you put right. green next to it. No, it's red. I see it like, and the same thing with an A, right? Totally fascinating. Like with me, like uh, you joke about you and your wife and one can't remember the lyrics and the other one can't sing it on key. Like I have pretty good pitch. I'm just not a very good singer, but like I could probably sing you a D and a G pretty close just because I know how gardening at night and um, talk about the passion go like songs that I have oh. played so many times that like I I've played the beginnings of those two songs so many times that like I know I really know a G and I really know a D. So I don't need you to because I don't have a pitch. I don't. Bom, I just need bom, you to, the, bom, rel- bom, the relative bom. pitch to yeah. be right. Hmm? So for that whatever that song you were trying to to make the noises of, I'm not. Maybe I just don't know the song. Do do your little mouth thing again. I'll try it one more time. Uh, magic kit. Boom 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 boom. Shit, is it poison? No, it's... Uh, I can't get it. Uh, you don't know any of the lyrics, so that's not going to help me, right? No, it's It's not... I'm not obligated to know these bands. Uh, I, know, I, I think It's, it's not every song, rose has its thorn. It's later than that, right. but it's like that. Oh, 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 I know it's... Home, home, sweet home. Motley Crue. Oh, I got it, I got is it. Is that yep. it? Okay. How's it going? Yeah, you I, sing I'm, the beginning. How's the beginning? Home, sweet home. I'm on my way. Home, sweet home. 
home sweet home. Now, you, what would you call that? I call that a power ballad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Home sweet home, Motley Crue song. Oh, look at that, 1985. <sighs> also, I feel like November Rain is a step up from all of those because it is. it oh, adds these sort of epic. Absolutely. Like in the same way Bohemian Rhapsody is a step up from, yes. from the surroundings. Not like this is just, they added, like, is that strings? It doesn't November Rain have strings? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, it's epic. It's epic. Don't touch the banana. Yeah, I don't know why we, we can't wa- find ourselves wandering back into <laughs> 80s music, which is weird, but that, that's fine. I would love to talk about that all the time. I love talking about music. Mm. It's it's funny because it's um you heard me struggling. Like, I, I don't feel like I have any particular obligation to know the 1985 Motley Crue song, Home Sweet Home, but it is weird in my funny little smooth manatee brain, like how many bits of information about music I have not lost yet. They, you know, they, well, it's, 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 it's not primacy and recency, but it's one of those phenomena where like, if it's very emotionally charged at the time that you learn a piece of information, I guess it can in, sort of encode better. And I was very emotionally intense for a very long time. Believe yeah, it or not. It was the, the arm of the bucket of ice water, which was covered earlier in this, in this, in this program, right? Yeah. I think we talked about do, that. Do, do we have a title about that? Or maybe it was a potential title. Probably. Then you put it in warm water, it makes some pee. I think we talked about that too. The, the, you had actually done that successfully. No, isn't it like cow tipping? Cow tipping is not really a thing, right? I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's not a thing. I think it's a little bit. It's only a little bit more reputable than like snipe hunting. It's hard to say if you're not from cow. You're you kind. Of, well, I guess you're not from cow. Country. I was in cow country Cincinnati? when I. Oh, come on. Please. Is it cow country? I don't oh, know. Oh, jeez, come on, John. Really? No. When I very first moved to Pasco County, Florida, in 1980. It was there was still a lot of cows. Like uh, then it got very heavily developed over the next five years. Right, 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 right the alligators time. ate them. You know, and I feel like Russell was spiders. Now it's like you know, you guys, there, there aren't actually that many alligators. Well, all right, I, 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 let me let, I, uh, retract. Let me try again. The yeah. bugs ate them. Yeah. Oh yeah. Don't oh. tell me the bugs aren't there. The they're bugs not, are there. John, they're not roaches. They're water bugs. We're clean people. We don't have roaches. Those are water bugs. <laughs> yeah, and, and roaches aren't <laughs> the size of tennis balls. <laughs> 1980, <clears throat> Friday night. I'm in my room. I remember this so distinctly. I have the toy box my grandfather made me with my with my initials on it, which would later have my REM murmur sticker on it. Uh, four years later, my toy box, and I got a I got a 13 inch black and white TV. It's it's Friday night. Why do I know it's Friday night? Because I'm watching Fridays, and which I liked better than Saturday Night Live at the time. 80 81 might be 81, but I hear this sound and i'm like what and it ran right across my toy box the first roach i ever saw in florida and it was the size of a baby's fist it was ridiculous <laughs> it was visible it was visible with the light of, of a 13 inch black and white tv i don't know how it handled it in florida because I, I lost I mean, my mind john i screamed there was an animal there was an animal that i could see moving in my room and not a cute animal. Not a cute animal. A couple years later, I had a corn snake in my room. That was not cool. I had to call the county yeah. extension people. I had. I remember from around the similar, probably around the similar time, although I was younger, um, found a June bug in my bed. And a June bug is just about the biggest kind of bug that I had seen in my life. And maybe the biggest common kind of bug in sort of the you know New York, Long Island area, because we don't have the cicadas. The roaches you guys get, um, at least like in Manhattan, are those little those little tiny brown guys, right? The little like an inch long, maybe. Yeah, you cer- cer- cereal box roaches. Yeah, they're a little bit bigger in New York City, but yeah, the little tiny ones. But there's not not that many of them. But yeah, but June bugs. You know what a June bug is? No, I'm gonna look it up right now. 
I mean, it's not it's not as big as not even as big as a roach. Maybe it's the size of a quarter. Okay. Right. But it is like oh god, but they're and, but they're beefy. Yeah. Right. <gasps> and I found that in my bed. Oh and no, no, no. I no, still no. remember that because it's like now I don't want to go back in my bed. Like I understand that I've removed the. Look, it's like it's 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 a, it's a kind of beetle. Yeah. Oh god, this is horrific. Ugh, eldritch horror. Hard nice name pass. though, June bug. There's bugs that come out in June. You know. That's that's a nice name. Well, in Florida. We frequently called them Paul Meadow Bugs. Yeah, American Cockroach. Look at that guy. Go look up American Cockroach. Look at that guy. That's what we had. So, like a, the sequel, sequel to American Gods. On, <laughs> on, uh, <Netflix>. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get the then you get the other kind that's a little more rounded that stink. And like when you when you uh, when you smash them, it, it smells like amaretto. It's really gross. So yeah, this is the kind of guy that I had run across my toy box. Yeah, that's not good. No, 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 no. And then they fly. They fly in your face. They got Africanized. A little bit ping pong. Oh, yeah. Let me, let me add that to my, speaking of terrible, let me add uh, my mice to the show notes. Have I talked about my mice before? Uh, you mentioned you mentioned that uh, my suggestions that you tolerate more peeing, you pivoted to, should I also just let the mice just keep pooping in the cabinets? In our final segment tonight, we will be discussing season three of The Leftovers, the HBO program that John and I have been enjoying uh, since it came on. Yeah, if you haven't watched The Leftovers, don't listen. Oh, Go sorry. watch all three seasons Yes, I'm back. so sorry. At this point, uh, we're going to uh, ask Jim to please uh, uh, blow the spoiler horn uh, if you haven't seen that. And we mostly swear that we won't talk about anything interesting other than The Leftovers. For the remainder of the show. For the re- remainder of the show. Uh, please go to relay.fm slash membership uh, and you'll be able to uh, support your favorite network. <laughs> Iris Dement. I remember Iris, Iris Dement from the 90s. She was kind of big in the indie rock in the 90s. I don't know who that is. Uh, let the mystery be. Nope. Isn't that, isn't that the song? What's the song? It's the theme song of the show. <laughs> let the mystery oh, the, be. The, oh, you, yeah. The Over the credits with the silhouettes of the people. Yeah, and then they switched it up a little bit, which I thought was super interesting. But she's the one, that kind of old-timey sounding singer. Yeah, what? Oh, that, that was the... The Perfect Strangers episode, right? Oh my god, I forgot that about that. The... That was so yeah. good. Oh my god, that was that was so good. No wait, was that Mr. Robot? No, 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 no. no. This was this. Oh wait, really I'm sorry, that. I'm conflating. I'm thinking of there's a Mr. Robot episode where cousin looks... Larry is is in the leftovers, he and they say a throwaway character in an earlier season, and then in season three, one episode starts, right. and instead of hearing hearing that and theme it's Mark, song, Mark uh, David John Bakerson. What's yeah, his name? Jordan Baker. Oh, that himself. was so good. Yeah, I know. That was crazy. Comes, but, it, but the episode that he's in opens with the Perfect Strangers theme over the credits, which is incredibly creepy and haunting. And then, but especially if you like me, you don't remember, right? And you didn't see previously on, like uh-huh. to remind you. Oh, don't you remember they had this guy on in an earlier season? Well, guess what? He's back. And they keep they keep changing the song, and I keep going like, what is going to happen this week? Like yeah, what that's could one this of the, mean? One of the few shows that I watch the credits for, by the way, the leftovers. Even when it, even when it doesn't change, because I find it, you know, like a lot, like a lot of people say about the credits, <laughs> like that they find it puts them in the right mindset for the show, or like it's a ritual I know, beforehand. I know, I know. Like the credits are the only thing on Game of Thrones we let her watch. Hey, Game of Thrones is the other show that I will one, not two, always, three, four, five, but, six, but seven, eight, nine. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're probably on a TiVo. On Apple TV, it's it's nine clicks. Yeah, I mean, it's 30 seconds. So, yeah. I mean, No, it's, it's not. not. It's always... 90 seconds, buddy. That's a 90-second credit sequence. No, no, no. The, the TiVo, 30-second skip. 
Oh, like right, a, so we tick, tick, tick. is 30 seconds, so it'll be right. three three taps to get past 90. Yepers. It's uh, nine on the old Apple II. But, you know, I, I do think those are pretty great credits. And apparently, if you watch them closely, you can get little clues. It's not watch them closely. Like, they, what they do is, first of all, they show the geography of where things are, but they also show, like, at, when a new season starts and the Game of Thrones credits, they show you locations that they had never yeah, like, shown you before. what's going on up by the wall? What's happening up there? No, not the wall. Like, here's there's a some, new there's location. Some, there's some business never, up by the wall. Never, has never been featured. Like, you know, the first time, like, Bravos appeared or whatever, right? You mm-hmm. know, or the Citadel. Like, those were previously not locations in earlier seasons, and then suddenly they appear in the credits. You're like, oh, we're going to be going to a place called the Citadel. And it's in this location relative to King's Landing. Right. Okay. Anyway, uh, The Leftovers. Season three. Season two, we both liked, right? Yep. Uh, Season three was known to be the last season. So this show has a job in front of it, which is bring this series to some kind of conclusion. Uh, Wrap it all up. Uh, Because season two really (laughs) went in a weird direction after season one and not in a direction where it was obvious where season three would go. In Mm -hmm. the same way that season two is not the obvious follow you know not the obvious uh successor to season one what is the obvious successor to season two there is none it's it's crazy pants Uh can you can you remind me please how season two ends season season two two ends with uh that's when all the guilty remnant is like shot up yep they've 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 overrun they have the 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 trucks with the the, the bombs on the bridge bridge, right yeah the daughter comes back and and the guilty remnant is all over the city and kevin is shot and everyone's everything's on fire and the guilty remnant is it's just like was that also the hotel was the hotel end of season two or like you know yeah it it was season two when he goes to the fantasy world Yeah, yeah yeah he's a secret agent he's a secret agent he'd already died in secret agent and come back to life and you know and, and it's yeah so it was a big giant mess but like most of the things in season two were resolved where is the daughter we know where she is now what's the deal with kevin and his being dead or not well he's back right um and what's the guilty remnant secret plan with uh the elf queen lady going there Liv tyler like uh we know mm-hmm. what her plan is and she has executed it and like i don't know if she was killed in that bit or whatever but anyway it's a big mess but it's not clear like boy like it wasn't even clear that they would pick up where they left off because think of season after season one they didn't like pick up right where they left off. season two starts and you don't even see any of the characters for the whole opening episode um and the plot and the story and the setting everything about season two is totally different than season one there's just a couple carryover characters and of course the setting um but who would have guessed that, like, season two, we're going to take They're going to be in Texas. And you know, stay with me here. And there's going to be a bunch of new characters and a bunch of crazy stuff's going to happen. So in season three. Oh, right. They set back. Yes, yes, yes. And that starts out where we meet the African-American family. Yeah. So okay. in season three, for all I knew, it could have been like, guess what? Now they're in California and there's a whole bunch of new people or they've moved to they've moved to Spain. And or this whole the whole season three takes place in China, right? <laughs> like I don't mm-hmm. they could have done anything. But instead, they surprised me by making season three well, obviously you know, they open it up with some Oh, know, doesn't it start out with the hundreds like, the yeah, with like the religious people with the roof? Yep, yep. Right. Yep, and that and with the show you don't know, like, is this the new show? Is this now is this whole season gonna be set in eighteen hundreds now? Right. I mean it, you never know. But yeah. Yeah. as as it turns out, they tie up the the loose end of i think this is in, in the beginning of season three tie up the loose end of the daughter and everything who i guess is not on the show anymore because they kill her with a drone 
right? She comes, oh, she comes uh, out what, of the Margaret Qualley, the, uh, the, the dark-haired daughter. Right, right. She gets droned. The whole oh, no, oh, no, I'm droned. sorry. You're talking about the girl with the glasses. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, the dis- one who disappeared but didn't really disappear. Right. She just wanted um, to smoke. Yep, yep. And so that whole thing is a smoking creator. Uh, Liv Tyler is gone. The daughter is gone, but not really because Kevin thinks he keeps seeing her for the rest of the season. And it also has, like, for the first episode, um, the first episode was, I didn't like the, hey, let's pick up where we left off and let's drone these people. Because it's like, if you want to kill them, you can kill them off camera. And I guess the daughter, or the the girl was important because she's going to show up later in the thing. But what really got me after episode one was the capper at the end where you see the older Nora and she's in some, you don't know where the heck she is. It's like, is this post? Oh, right. And she's got a different, she's got like a different name. Post-apocalypse and she's not going by her own name. And someone asked her if she knows someone named Kevin and she says no. Right. And so you're like, right. That's the like, okay, is this on a different planet now? Is this right. like in the aftertimes? Does she not know Kevin? Is this an alternate reality? Is yeah, Kevin is this like a existed? different timeline? Yeah. Right. And so after episode one, I'm like, they're back to their old tricks and season three is going to be <laughs> a big wacky adventure just like season two. But season three, I thought settled down to be more, much more conventional. And they basically set to work resolving what they considered to be the important central story and plot points, which is Kevin and Nora and can they, what's their deal? Can they get there? And you know, Kevin's ex-wife and some ancillary characters. How quickly did they introduce Scott Glenn and the mission He's there too, and his you know his thing with the, the Aborigines people are. But I feel like the, the central yeah. story of the season was all about you know there were ancillary characters. You got Matt with his book of Kevin, and you got the father who's doing all these wacky things, and they each had their episodes and stuff, and it all is kind of revolving around. But what the show is mostly concerned with is you know it, kind of like a continuation of season two. Kevin is a little bit off the off his rocker, and Nora sometimes seems like she's fine, but totally isn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they let them they let them all like. That's what they're going to wrap up. Those two guys. We need to know. And, and I guess the, you know, is the world going to end on the anniversary and surprise it doesn't. And so I feel like it, season three was more conventional. But th- I think this brings us to, you know, if you don't remember anything about the season, you can at least remember is, did you feel like this season was satisfactory? Like, did it did it deliver to you what you wanted from a final season of the show that they knew was going to be the final season? I think so. Uh, I wish I remembered it better. I, I think I didn't like the last episode as much as everybody did. Uh, I liked the second to the last episode a lot, but, uh, and I, I, I can't find the episode where we talked about this. We always talked about it a little bit and I guess one episode we did, but like, you know, once you, uh, with a show like this, once you let go of the whole, like, is this a mystery box thing? And you just kind of say like, I'm here for the ride. I mean, I really, I really enjoyed the whole season. I, I think, I think the cast in this is awfully good, and I, I just really like watching them work. And I am interested in their lives. I'm ve- like Carrie Coon, Carrie Coons. Like, I just think she, Carrie Coon. I, I just think she's tremendous. Like, I will just watch her act anywhere. But to, to answer your question, uh, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I, I, there, I liked a lot about it. To recap, in the last, the final episode, like. What happens in the what penultimate? You're to, what you're trying to say is like they, they resolve the whole like what's the deal with old Nora right? because they you know they end up with like Kevin and Nora being separated and Kevin coming back and it turns out she was just pretending not to know him because she didn't want to think back on that but she does know him right mm-hmm. so they come back together which you know in depending like they have this weird codependent relationship through two seasons of the show and 
in some respects, I'm not particularly rooting for them to end up together because they're both so damaged and mm-hmm. you don't necessarily know if they're if they're actually helping each other. And by the end of the show, it's not as if they're both in actually better places or but either way, like that's that's how they resolve that. But the the most significant thing, I think, is for a show, as we talked about last time, for a show centered around the idea of a mystery to which there is no answer and how that lack of answer drives the world mad in various ways, right? That's, that's the whole show. That's the show. And like, yeah, like it's, if there's it's something, and I mean, which makes it so much about life, right? I mean, like if, if you, if, if, how do you, how do we respond to a world of things we don't understand? How does our right. behavior and change? That, and as a reaction to lost where people complain that they didn't get answers, like this is the show about, this is, this is the show about all the people who complain about lost. As we think we discussed on a past episode. Yeah, like, absolutely. Oh, you, you're, you're not satisfied by loss. Well, guess what? It drives the whole world. I've seen how it drives her mad. Imagine, you know, right. So, but then in the final episode, the show also decides, well, we can kind of give you an answer. And then you can decide whether you believe that's a real answer. So they have Nora, Nora, who wants to go into the, the perfect strangers machine that make will make people disappear in theory like either that or the scientists are just dumping the bodies but i think pretty pretty well establishes that, that if you go into this machine you will be gone and it's not as if you go into the machine and they shoot you with the tranquilizer dart and dump your body in the ocean like the, the scientists are really scientists and they really do bombard you with this whatever radiation and you go away mm-hmm. and whether it just kills you and it atomizes you or incinerates you or whatever bottom line is you go away and a bunch of people who just cannot deal with this whole thing go into the machine, and Nora's going to go into it because because uh, uh, cousin Larry told her uh, that's the <laughs> thing to do. And uh, that is a great thing for the show because remember she is she's part of her job is investigating things like this and these kind of scams. So there's like a reason for her to be doing it. But of course she's got these other, uh, you know, like she's she's investigating it, but she's also actually interested in it. And so her her decision at the end is, do you, are you going to go through with this? And is Kevin going to, you know, know that you're going through with it and encourage you to do whatever? And it turns out she's she's going to go through with it. She gets into the thing, which is a crazy contraption, like where you go in this ball, they fill it up with water, and they zap the thing while you hold your breath, and then you it becomes like a hardened sphere where your body used to be. There's like a negative space, like you know, it's, it, that that was all great. I love that. Um, and she's in there, and she's letting it happen to her. And as the water is filling up and filling up and filling up, right before like. The water is going to cover her completely. She yells out something and then they cut to a different scene. And so you were left not knowing. Did she yell for them to stop and they stopped? Right. Did she yell just as a last gasp before the thing went through? Like, did she actually go into this machine or not? Because and the, the wrapping up of, of the story is she's older. She's there. She tells Kevin what happened. What she tells Kevin is I went into the machine. I went into this alternate reality where all the disappeared people are and their world everybody's gone except for them instead of like whatever they were like you know three percent or something you know 97 percent of the people in there and there's three percent there's just nobody there it's like a mirror a mirror of a mirror of what happened for us right and it's worse there and she found her kids but they had they they had found a new family and she didn't want to bother them and she realized they're okay but they don't need her anymore and so she went and tracked down those scientists who had gone through and convinced them to send her back with the same radiation so now she's back here that's her story and so that would be not so much an explanation of why did this happen, but at least like, where did everybody go? Well, we know where they went. It was this split reality. These people went here. Those people went there. In some respects, that might be more an interesting show to see, to see the just place where the 3% are because the world can't really run that well. And that was interesting hearing about that. But your question is, as the viewer, 
Do we believe Nora? That actually happened, or did she actually yell for them to stop and they stopped and nothing ever happened? Right, 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 right. Because we never see any of that. It's an, and it's all off camera. Now, I would have preferred it if they had really stuck to their guns and said, "We're never giving you any explanation of where these people went." Nora will never see her kids again, and she will never know why. And try to end the series that way. That's not what they chose to. Do. They chose to give an explanation and then say it's up to you to decide whether you believe it or not, which right. is not nailing things down but it is a little bit of a pulled punch and so i feel like the the series didn't to my satisfaction resolve their the problems of the characters i still think kevin has mental problems Mm -hmm. i still think their relationship is not healthy between the two of them i still think nora has not dealt with uh what has happened well and those are the two characters we care about the most um that would have been fine because the whole point of the show is like people can't deal with it. Like if you want to just have the show go off into the distance and say, nope, everyone is still messed up and they never did resolve it. I would have been okay with that. But then throwing in the, here's a possible explanation. What do you think? Meh. I say that, except I really did. I really, (laughs) the execution was really good. Really really good. But but I mean, I hate to go dark with this, but I mean, I, I think as we stipulated, this is a show about this mystery box event you know, nominally, but it's really, as we say, it's, it's really about how you deal with that, how, how that changes your life and how you, how you move on. But, you know, I'm thinking of that, uh, the line in Hamilton, you know, they're, they're going through the unimaginable, like, you know, everybody at some point faces something <laughs> back to our midlife crisis. What happens when you're faced with something that's unimaginable, like your family, your family literally disappearing without any explanation, Right. And the thing is, like, uh, people do either find a way to deal with that or, forgive me, uh, sometimes take their own life. Like, that, if, if there is something that is truly, you're never going to be able to process this, you're never going to be able to live with this, you're never going to be able to just stand not knowing what happened. There is a route that some people take. The route some other people take is any variety of avenues about finding answers and, and consolation, which is actually kind of also what the show is about. The guilty remnant is about forming a, relig- a religion around something that we can't understand. So, I mean, what she's what is happening to Nora in, is a microcosm of really what this whole show is about, don't you think? That her so so I mean I mean by, by by which I mean the resolution that you're describing as being I agree somewhat frustrating or somewhat you know is ambiguous. In that case. I mean, the other, the truly unambiguous thing would be to say either this didn't happen or it happened this way or she did the following, right? But they're forcing us into this situation where now we've got to, we've got to question, you know, how she's processing that and what she's doing. But like, what are her options? She's got to find some way to cope with, with whatever that thing was. And us not knowing about it isn't a mystery box. It's just it's further deepening into the humanity of this show about what happens when you have to process something that's unprocessable. Yeah, I mean, so I've I think what is shown in the show makes it pretty clear to me that none of that ever happened. That she bailed, right? So you think so? So help me out because my brain's dumb here. That maybe this whole thing was a scam and that the people are no, no, literally- not, not a scam. She she yelled at the last minute. They turned it off. She she, didn't she go bailed. She the bailed out. Yeah, she didn't go through with it, right? Uh, right? But over the years, she was able to manufacture this as a coping mechanism. And the reason I say that it didn't happen is because just because of the way the whole rest of the show is done is if something like that happened, like 
it's important enough that it would need to have been shown in the show to, to be able to say, oh, and here's an entire season's worth of material that I'm going to describe it to you in a sentence over over a kitchen table. Um, because of the way that, you know, it's a TV show, because of the way the show has treated everything that has happened to the point of them going back to the 1800s, a show of stuff that has a thematic similarity. The fact that it was all off screen uh, makes it not not convincing to me that it happened. Which means that she's still messed up because she has manufactured this this coping mechanism, fake reality thing. And that Kevin, because he's so desperate to be with her, because they have this, again, this codependent relationship, confesses his sincere belief that he does believe her, and he probably does. But it's a bogus story. Like, uh, But I think the show, people who wrote it, want it to be a plausible explanation for the people who are going to be unsatisfied with the show unless they'd have something to hang their hat on. Like, well, where did everybody go? Well, here is a possible explanation. If you choose to believe, you can say, okay, now we know where everybody went, kind of, although not why. Uh, and, and I think it muddies the waters. Right. Uh, of all the options, though, there, there are options that could have been way worse. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, and I mean, I guess, they're, they're, not in a, they're not in, you know, a snow globe in St. Elsewhere or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I, but like, I, getting to what I was saying before, the execution, I love that, that Nora and her struggle of whether to go through this machine thing and I, I love the the French scientist woman, the other woman, and the, I, I love the, the like the truck that it's in and the, the ball thing, and you get the little the the negative image of the person who was there before, and they just roll it. I love all of that. It's all mm-hmm. so good. And Kevin's weird dream world resolution is like that whole treatment of like his mental illness and how it manifests in his his fantasy world with the the missiles coming down. All that stuff is great. I just feel like none of them came to an actual resolution. Like Lori, they teased, I didn't really like this. They teased her doing suicide by scuba. Right. But it turns Mm -hmm. out she didn't. Right. That was a one episode tease thing. And then the two of them, like, I think, I mean, it seems to me that the show, what's presented on the screen is that these guys are not okay. And they're just continuing down the same path they were before. But I get this feeling that the end of the show is meant to make you feel like that they've come to some kind of, resolution or have dealt with the things so they haven't like kevin hasn't dealt with it he's just been desperately searching for her and as soon as he gets her he's willing to believe any crazy thing she says and she hasn't because she's got this fantasy scenario and she's still even if she believes the fantasy scenario and she has explanation she's still not happy because her family's not there so it's kind of kind of a sad ending trying to be dressed up as a happy i don't know well um, the, the, there's you know what i'm immediately reminded of uh you've seen blue velvet right so I saw it in the in the, uh, in the theater, like you know, a carload of us went to see that in first year of college, and we argued so vociferously about what the movie meant, um, based on several things, but really heavily based on pretty much one shot in that movie that I think changes the way you think about it. And I'm sure smarter bird? people, the bird, <laughs> right. So, like, my girlfriend at the time and I were really going at it over over whether that was meant to look that fake. You know what I'm saying? Yep, yep, I know exactly what you're saying. And so, like, I, I now, and it's been years since I watched Blue Velvet, but I feel like there's a similar thing here where, you're like, if you've made it all through three seasons of this and you get to them holding hands at the end, you need to check yourself. <laughs> right? In some ways, right? Yeah, and... You know, a little, like little said, bit of a, maybe this, like, this, like a Brazil thing, you know, <laughs> it, it, I'm, I'm metagaming this too much because, because like 
within the world of the show, everything fits. And you could say, oh, look at them continuing their delusion. And, and th there's no conclusion because there is never a conclusion. But the metagaming, the metagaming of like, I know this is a show written by people. And I know the writers are thinking things. And I know the context of him done, having done Lost. And I know, like, the whole conceit of the show is having no explanation and then offering an explanation at the end. It was, yeah. So I, I thought season three wasn't as well constructed as season two in terms mm. of introducing characters, having them do something like, like it didn't uh, because season two didn't end with any sort of conclusion. The, to use my favorite word, when we talk about media, it was very assured. It was, it was very confident in a way where you're like, it was kind of, it made you kind of giddy. Yeah, and it, it was very interesting. And, uh, unexpected and didn't come to a satisfying conclusion. Like if the show had ended after season two, that wouldn't have been a satisfying conclusion either. Season three felt burdened by the fact that it had to do that. And yeah, I think it felt like it needed to bring characters to some kind of resolution. It killed some of them. It killed dad, right? Um, oh, it teased killing Laurie. Uh, did it kill Matt too? I think it killed Matt too, right? I don't remember. The cancer, cancer got him. And you got the, the, the boat thing with the lion people. And like, it was like a, a little like, last gasp tour of some more wacky ways people deal with things this time in Australia. But, like, but what a ride. I mean, the, like the episode on the sex boat. Yeah. The lion one. Yeah. My God. The guy pretending to be God. Like, right. Like it right. Some, right. It hit some of the same notes as past seasons, which season two, I don't feel like hit some of the same notes as season one. Uh, but you know, overall I still give the entire show a big thumbs up and, like the the promise of uh, episode one of season three was not fulfilled by the completion of episode one season three, but I I feel like uh, Nora and her struggle with the, the 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 machine and the perfect stranger thing and those effects and Kevin with his dream world resolution bringing back Patty we love Patty like and his twin his his I love Patty this in the last year that actress has been such a gift between that and Handmaid's Tale. Like, where has she been all my life? Have I just, she's just always playing moms. I just never noticed her before. She's amazing. Yeah, I've, seen, I've seen her in a bunch of other stuff uh, as she's well. She's always playing somebody's mom. Face. <laughs> yeah, it's hard not to. I, I'd seen her before, seeing her as Patty, because I remember seeing her in season one, and I recognized her. But now, Patty is so indelibly, like, linked to her within my mind. Every time I see her in some other role, I mean, Handmaid's Tale works. because In Handmaid's you know, Tale, we both... were both, like, pumping fists when she came on screen. <laughs> my Aunt yeah. Lydia, oh my God. But, yeah, but Patty, I mean, Aunt Lydia is a little one-dimensional. Patty was, Patty was something else. Yeah, but she the, really plays the crap out of that dimension. Yeah, that's true. Um, um, but uh, let's see. What was I going to say? Da, 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 and, uh, e yeah, but you know what? I agree with you. I'm sorry, I cut you off right before you were finishing your point uh, about maybe it wasn't successful. All I'm going to say is, like, if there's a big button, big yellow button somewhere that says more like this, I would be mashing it so hard. You know, my God. Yeah. Can we get at least one one show that's this ambitious and well done just one a year. Like what a risky freaking show. Yeah. And like, there's, there's a lot of interesting shows that we've been watching recently, like, uh, Legion and American gods and, you know, all, all the, the superhero movies, but like, this was just a cut above like this, this had the something extra. It, it took itself seriously. Uh, but it was more, it was more serious and more deep than some of those other shows. Like, maybe it wasn't as Well, much. like, also what? Like, specifically, um, Legion and Mr. Robot are two that come straight to mind uh, that are also very stylish and sort of bespoke in their approach to doing things. I mean, there's something something about this, like, like it, this one looks more like a movie. Don't you feel like it's shot more like a movie? Yeah, very much. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Mr. Robot, I put in the same league. Especially season one of Mr. Robot is fantastic. It's amazing. Season two, hmm. 
Oh, less assured. absolutely. Yeah, I but totally both agree. of those shows feel smaller than Lovers. I, I don't know what it is. I mean, it could have just it could just be a cinematographer being fooled by lighting or actors or whatever. Um, but yeah, like we just did the incomparable uh, TV Hall of Fame draft, and I picked Leftovers as one of my shows. That's right, you did Snake Sort. Yeah, because it is like it is unlike so many other shows that I've seen, and. It does so many things so well that the the things that are off putting about it is just it, it, you should endure it. Uh, to I, mean, I feel the same way a little bit about Breaking Bad. There's a lot in Breaking Bad that you have to endure, but it's like it's a show that's worth watching, right? This mm-hmm. this uh, there's more to endure, and you know it's, you know less crowd pleasing than than Breaking Bad for sure. By the way, if you want to be depressed, yeah, I do. Go to go to this page, uh, the bottom of the leftovers episode look at the ratings for season one two i was hypnotized by this i I, there's got to be something that explains this because essentially uh not quite half but not far off half so season season one they were pulling down at least generally at least 1.4 1.5 million season two is hovering around 0.5.6 comes up a little bit season three so season, season two and three are half of season one. Essentially season half, one, yeah. A certain number of people watching it, and then season two and three, half the people left. A lot of people gave up. And it's like, you left. Season two was the best season, guys. You left. It was like, come back. <laughs> right, 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 right. And you see the little peaks on the final episode. Like, the people were like, oh, season two. I don't know who these people are. And then, like, well, let me just see how season two ends. But it's not, it's not that. Ends, it doesn't yeah. feel like that kind of show, like Lost or like Mr. Robot, it's not a water cooler show in the usual sense. No, because like try even try explaining to to yourself and everyone else. But it's it, it's a show for people who like to to be depressed. Like there's <laughs> a little bit of that in there because because if, if you if you like to if you like to like wallow in misery in your own misery, and you want to see other if people you like do it. feeling depressed. <laughs> yeah, if if you like uh like the, what's that what's that their little piano score that they would save for the final uh, scene of every episode, right? And you're like, you think that trick's only going to work on me once? Oh, I know no, it works. It works for three seasons. Like, how do, how does it still work? It's the same damn three note piano because, thing. Because because it's and the it same still one. Works. I know it still works. It's like you can't use that again. It's like I feel like a Doctor Who. They don't know how to do that anymore. They play the exciting Doctor Who music for the past like seven seasons. They play the exciting Doctor Who music. Like, you haven't earned that music yet. This show, this show, like holds it and holds it and holds it, and like a little note comes and it gets you. And you're like, oh, this is this is BS. How is this still getting me? I know. It's so ridiculous, this show. Stephen Moffat plays me like a fiddle, though. Between between uh, Sherlock, Sherlock is a huge hit in our house. We watch a lot of Sherlock over and over. But also, but like when I hear like uh, the, oh, I think of the Clara theme. That, da, 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 da. I just hear mm. that and I'm like, I want to start crying as soon as I hear it. I was like, I don't, I don't like her. I mean, Stephen Moffat. Uh, the exciting Doctor theme is the one that bothers me in Doctor Who. Like that one. He's when he's doing something. I think that's the one. And like sometimes they pull that out, and it's like 15 minutes of the episode. I was like, no, you can't, you can't get, you can't pull that now. It's like it's right around. He like when he when he flips his scarf and says, "I'm the doctor." Yeah, it's like no, be a doctor. I have troubles with it, but anyway, really to wrap this up, like. Uh, we, so we did a bad job of this some, because it's been I a long time. I cannot believe we landed that particular flying saucer. 
Uh, we mostly got it. Uh, it's a really good show. I can really recommend um, watching it. People who are listening to this already should have seen the whole thing. No one should be listening to this who hasn't seen the show. So we're not oh helping. Oh my God, you're absolutely now. right. I take it all back. Okay, so do an R-I-Y-L. Uh, if people enjoyed Leftovers, what do you recommend they watch? I would say Handmaid's Tale would be definitely one. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's I, it's a, I think it's another prestige you, uh, Handmaid's drama. Tale, did you like Children of Men? Then watch Handmaid's Tale. Oh my God, I love Children of Men. Oh, I love that guy. Well, whatever you do, don't see the movie The Revenant. That's really all I have to say. I haven't seen that one. <sighs> you know, it's very I, difficult to make. Yeah. Um, probably haven't heard. It's not, has not grabbed my my interest and it's been sitting there i've seen a couple of like ads for that oh, guy's, you know, that guy's the american beauty of mexican directors i'm telling I don't you know a guy you're talking about Inuratu. oh the children men guy same guy i didn't realize that was the well, guy. no 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 oh no? you disappoint me no that's what? uh azkaban guy that's um uh, coron coron does oh, children well then 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 who what do i know Inuratu does from? birdman he did birdman and he did the revenue which was Revenant was very hard to make. He's made like three movies, I think. I, I haven't seen either one of those. I'm trying to think of the one that I've seen. You should see Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. That's a very good movie. That was, a, yeah, Quaron, right? Yeah. Uh, so he has made The Revenant, Birdman, and Babel. B-A-B-E-L. Mm, Babel is where I'm, Babel, I think, is where I'm knowing. Is that one like an Oscar or something? Probably. Oh, he's so annoying. 21 grams. <laughs> Seven pounds. I, he didn't do I think seven I've pounds. Seen that one. I think I've seen the twenty one grams too. Uh, or maybe I just heard the flop house about it. I don't know. <laughs> You're thinking the I seven think both. pounds. Like, that's one of the cases where I actually saw the movie. And also, I've seen so few. I've seen so few. I've seen Faithful Findings. I feel like I've seen Faithful Findings. And so many clips have been shared. That I feel like I pieced together the oh entire movie. Oh my god, movie. John, you've got to see it. There, I can't. I don't. I don't like bad movies. I oh, can't no, watch no, that. But this isn't a bad movie. This is something much more special than it's a bad. Not movie. even. It's like a bad student film. Just. Watch the ending. Watch the ending. Are with him at the podium in front of him the green the screen? The I, feel, I feel like I've seen the whole damn movie. But then there's a reverse shot of all these people watching him, mm-hmm. the 180 mm-hmm. shot, and they're all nodding along and applauding at how great he's doing, and they are standing in front of the exact same building, except it's been flopped horizontally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're both standing in front of the same Supreme Court building. That's See, what just, he's done is, smart is he's tapped into secret government and corporate secrets. Mm-hmm. It's all right here on this rock. It's like a thumb drive. <laughs> he just wants hey, his coffee. We did it, buddy. All right. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry for the people who waited so long and then we don't remember season three, but that was us trying to muddle through season I three. I remember liking it. Uh, uh, thank you very much to everybody for listening to this. And just one last reminder, uh, if you would, please consider uh, becoming a member at Relay by going to uh, relay.fm slash membership uh, whether you do or don't i won't know the difference but uh if you got a little dough to throw the network's way we'd appreciate it can you hear me mm-hmm. oh good uh where are we 101 that was really good um something up i i uh accidentally uh launched flux and it's confused in beach balling and i can't get to skype so i might need to restart <laughs> flux oh my god what a mess you turn everything yellow someone looks um, all over your screen i'm really really sorry i need to i think i need to do it i can't get activity monitor up should i try this from the terminal command option escape nope no. i mean it, it, no 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 i mean i know how to do that but yeah, like, no, uh, like sometimes, sometimes it takes a while to catch up is it ps what do i do should i try ps or should i just restart 
Oh, you have terminal? Is terminal yeah. working? Yeah, just yeah. kill it. Okay, so PS. What Space. do I do? A W W W W X. W W. Wait, P S A W W W X. Sure. What does that do? Just just type the commands. Holy crap! Oh my god! And okay. now pipe that through grep and look for flux. Grep minus i flux. I don't know. If flux is like a dot in the name. I don't know how the hell you spell. Um, this. I'm looking for the the process. Yeah. Two seven one zero four. And then kill space two seven one zero four. Copy and paste the number. Don't type it. Ooh. Okay. G. Copy. This is exciting. Never type a PID. Always copy and paste. Okay. Still, uh. Might kill minus nine. Same, same PID. Kill. Minus nine. No such process. Oh, put it after? Kill space, no. minus nine space. Same, same process. Hmm. No such process. All right, let me try there again. He's gone then. Do it, run the PS command again. See if it's still there. Okay. PSAWX. Um, gee, flux. It says it's. Oh, that's from earlier. It's wrapped around. It says it's not on. Okay, let me just restart. I'm sorry. All right. You cool? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll be back.